It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dave AC and The Sixth Doctor. I somehow though really don't think this is what they had in mind for for the internet really don't you guys who like to drink wine and talk about doctor who and science fiction hello everybody uh sorry i didn't realize my mic was on uh yeah <laughs> thanks for joining us today um i'm all done drive uh, finding drivers for miss daisy and i'm back with mr dave ac cooper oh and did i say it's called collective podcast that's probably important information he's <laughs> seamless not- He's not a podcaster. He's just a silly boy. <laughs> yes, but nobody ever expects the Spanish Inquisition. Anyway, yes, it's it's time for the show. Ignore the dogs in the background. They're in the backyard, so you don't need to worry about them. All right. Well, of course, uh, Dave and I have introduced ourselves. Um, and uh, we do have some apologies today, don't we, Dave? We do indeed one each, I believe. Yes. Uh, yours first? Um, yes, uh, Ken sends his apologies. He's hoping to write a little bit of a review of uh, the two episodes that we're going to be covering, which, just to remind people, we're covering today, although with a, a little bit of a preamble, Ian likes an amble, uh, a preamble from... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, li- he likes cookies on a space station, but they didn't send him any. Um, no. Uh, he's going to be talking about Spyfall because he was unable to attend, and he'll tell you why, because he was such a... Uh, such yes. a busy I love night. it I love it yeah um <laughs> yes. but uh the main topic we're going to do is uh, we didn't have a episode last week so we're talking about Doctor Who series 12 episodes three and four which are uh orphan 55 and uh, oh to be 55 again yeah orphan <laughs> 55 and Nikola Tesla's night of terror um yeah so uh that's what we're oh. actually here to do but yeah. um yeah but don't forget, I've got a I've got a we're still doing the intros. You're moving ah, too far ahead. Oh, I, have, I have an apology as well. Uh, Mike will not be able to join us. Uh, he's got some other pressing matters to deal with, and Dave and I uh, wish him well. And we did. We sent him our good wishes, yeah. Yes. So, uh, yes, he will not be joining us today, but, uh, yes, also look for his reviews, etc. And, of course, at some point when we're not all so busy, uh, we hope to get around to getting commentaries on these. We're being a bit slack. But you know, we're sorry. We're so sorry. It's in the tagline, folks. It, you know, you get it. it what well, does what it says on the tin? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, apparently, and you can get a bit slack if you lose a lot of weight in a short amount of time. Which yeah, congratulations. like eighty pounds. Wow. <laughs> it, honestly, yeah, it's close to eighty. Yeah, it's close to eighty pounds now that I've lost. So, yeah, oh. it's, it's annoying trying to buy clothes at the moment, but you know, it's getting there. So. 
But uh, so, yeah, I was tipping the scales at about 265 pounds, and now I'm down into the 180s. Hopefully heading for the uh, the 170s, maybe 160s. I don't know where we're going to stop with this crazy train of weight loss. But uh, Oh, and there's nothing to worry about. I'm not on some kind of crazy diet. I'm not like walking to subway and molesting just uh, sorry you know, that, that joke got away from me uh it's not like i'm you know only eating bagels or whatever it's like no i'm just um i'm being better you know i used to eat too much and too much bad stuff i still eat some bad stuff but i enjoy it when i do because you know i'm eating better the rest of the time so you know nothing special just you know whatever you gotta do to do it you know and just between me and the listeners, I don't think mm. those are dogs in the background. I think they're adipoise. <laughs> so if you hear an enormous pop during the course of the show, you know what's happening. <laughs> I just lost another 10 pounds. <laughs> hang, on, hang on a second. I just got to open the door. Crank <laughs> it out. <laughs> keeps bumping against the door. Ah, damn. Yeah, the fat just walks away, but unfortunately, it has had a terrible command of door handles. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, right. I, I, now, what are we doing here anyway? Oh, there, there is somebody we do need to introduce. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, I suppose it's good. He's still here, right? Yeah. All right. Well, if it's a cone of silence. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? And introducing, of course, the cone master himself. Cybob! Yes, it's now an official show. We can proceed. Uh, and just ruin the internet for everybody else. Sounds like a good deal. All right. <laughs> One more person to introduce, and that's the Typing Monkey. So that means it's news time. Vamanos! Typing Monkey, Vamanos! Is that a girlfriend? Oh, no, sorry, it's Boots. Never mind. Some of us will get that joke. <laughs> All right, it's time for news, and um, yeah, there's there's lots going on, but we're we're kind of moving quick and fast. So if we get something, we're not just ignoring somebody. We're just it's just the two of us here, you know. Well, sorry, three. And Cybot watches us closely. He's got a timer. We can't go too long. All right, do we have any news? Or did I just play well, it for nothing? No, we do. We do indeed. Uh, not that we want to uh, dwell on a lot of other news, but um, again, just uh, going to what happened recently uh, in the world of fan fiction, cult and cult TV. Uh, one of the very long-standing uh, great masters of the comedy scene, one of the one of the legends, as it were, uh, one of the members of the Monty Python team. Talking about mm. Terry Jones, master of the absurd. Uh, so that's why you try to you try to take his title here, I think. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, unfortunately passed away at the age of 77 just recently. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he did have a serious side to him. Um, uh, he was a little bit of a historian and he did a lot of uh, things other than comedy. And uh, he could play, his pia uh, play a piano without any clothes on, which is quite an accomplishment. Um, mm -hmm. But, but uh, he can, can, can he shave and sing opera at the same time? 
No, but uh, I never saw his arse on fire when he was playing the piano, but uh, it was always yeah. a Apparently, uh, it was caused from the set stairs reading that um, one of the hardest things with people that do sketches and that sketch shows is mm. you always have to come up with a punchline to finish the sketch off. Well, he came right. up with the idea that they do away with that. They'd just have yeah. a knight come on with a rubber chicken. Uh, uh, they'd have him playing, or he'd, uh, he'd uh, have the Spanish Inquisition, or whatever it would be. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you'd get this sort of uh, way of jumping from sketch to sketch without having yeah. to do like the two Ronnies did Punchline. very successfully. It was, just, it was just funny for funny's sake rather than like, you know, you know, set up punchline, set up punchline. They just went set up. Punch set with up, a chicken. Wow. Set up. Set up punchline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That so, was uh, uh, my second, basically, my second favorite Python is now dead. Um, my right. first being, of course, Michael Palin, who has essentially, you know, one of his best friends. And and I think that's why I, I like the two of them. They were, not that there's not more than the others, but those ones, I just, I don't know, they just seem to appeal. I think everybody latches onto their particular brand of humor and stuff and theirs seem to be a little more thoughtful and thought-provoking and i think their outside works have kind of you know where you know, michael palin did i mean that's where he really kind of caught my attention he did around the world in 80 days and then pole to pole etc so sometimes it's the the stuff they did outside and for terry jones i really kind of took notice when um he was helping with uh the movie labyrinth uh, I remember he was on the making of Labyrinth and explaining that he would go through the sketches that um, uh, that had been drawn up for the characters and stuff. And he was, you know, he was, you know, writing these in and stuff. It was just amazing to listen to him. Just such a intelligent man to listen to. You know, he wasn't just he wasn't just silly for silly's sake. There was a uh, fantastic brain behind that. Yes, and, and of course I put the image up there because um, they had one of the guests on um, um, Graham Norton's show on Friday, indeed, and uh, um, he was uh, he, he he was wearing a T-shirt saying, "I'm not dead," uh, and it, it, not a very serious look there, but in actual fact he was doing it with a great amount of uh, comedy either side of that, uh, and that of course was Terry Gilliam doing that uh, but they, yeah. they, they it said that they always got confused with having the first same name um, yeah but, um, two terries looks yeah. like darth trying to get in ah would you please excellent have, let, me, let, me see, man. let me see if we can unmute him there we go oh. darth are you there hello hello yeah how are you yeah good 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 we're back and you're back and I'm done driving Miss Daisy. Nice. That was my we, latest play. We did Driving Miss Daisy and I was booly. And I did a much better job than Dan Aykroyd. Oh, good. <laughs> but it's not hard. <laughs> wow. No, no, no. His character in Driving Miss Daisy, the movie, is appallingly flat and dull and boring and uneventful. I'm sorry, but it is. But I think that's part of they just de-emphasized his character and that they took a lot out of the movie as far as that character, but that's okay. I was there to save him. <laughs> I mean, weren't they really trying to highlight Morgan Freeman? That's what I kind of thought. That's what I, I, I just wanted. I don't know. 
Well, it's the thing to say that uh, uh, the play itself is a great three-hander. Um, wow. And that's why Morgan Freeman started. He he originated the role on in the theater. When oh, okay. Went out. He was he was Hoke. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I watched the movie beforehand, and I was like, oh, they took out all my good stuff, like my good speeches and stuff. So it is a really good three three piece. There's, it's not just Daisy. Actually, Daisy's the villain of the piece, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> the only two nice people in it are Hoke and Hoke and Pooley. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, no, not anyway. And if Darth wants uh, to prove the veracity of your statement, uh, you were interviewed along with some of the cast on Fox 4 in Florida, mm -hmm. were you? Yes, here we even got the news. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, nice. came, they came out and interviewed it. They did like three or four different spots. There's a couple of them on YouTube. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can send them to you later if you want. Oh, cool. But. Uh, yeah, we did a little, a short little scene, you know, as much time as they could do in a live broadcast thing in the morning, you know, they do, you give you, you get like two minutes at a time. But yeah, oh, so we, we got on the news for it and uh, me having lost 80 pounds. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be like 265. I'm down in the 180s now. Anyway, we, wow, we should probably stop, this, awesome. stop, stop the chit chat. We do this after. Uh, <laughs> keep forgetting we're in the middle of the show. So. I just came back from your neck of the woods there, Ian. You were in Florida oh. and you can come and see me? I was a little busy at Disney World. Of course so, you were. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I could have joined you. Well, actually, I was driving to Disney. Maybe came to Florida, Florida, man. They, they, they haven't got the Star Wars at your place yet, have you? And I thought it was on the other coast yeah. where they got the Star no, Wars. No, they got it in both. The, the, the one here is open. Actually, yeah. I can't really tell anybody, but I'll tell you guys. Well, actually, I can't tell anybody. I'm not going to sell it. Uh, a friend of mine passed on to me. Uh, she actually works at Disney. She mm -hmm. is a stage manager for, um, I think she's doing Beauty of the Beast at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, and when uh, Galaxy's Edge opened, each cast member at Disney got a lenticular postcard and a light-up pen. And mm. uh, at the end of the show that we did, because I was her stage manager, for a show that we did here, um, she gave me them. Oh, wow. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> that's very cool. Yep. Oh, and today, uh, that was good. This is part of news, folks. Um, yeah. today, <laughs> it's funny good today news, I, yeah. No, this is good news, because today I was, uh, I just thought I'd have a look at the uh, Facebook uh, marketplace. And, it, and it's been feeding me stuff that I like looking at. And there was posted, I think, last night, uh, 20, I think it was like, 20-something um, Star Trek figures in packages. Oh. $48 for like 20, it was 22, 23 of them or something. And they're mm -hmm. all Voyager. Well, 90% of them are Voyager. I now, except for seven of nine, have the entire Voyager crew. <laughs> and I'm really happy because <laughs> I have my own little Voyager and now I've got the crew. So it's like. So that's my big news of the day. Oh, I paid, you know, $2. You're playing with figure. 709. I don't like that. Not yet. I haven't got her yet. I haven't got 709 <laughs> yet. That's the only one I'm really missing. And then, of course, the later boards like Echeb and stuff like that. Which actually, mm. though, this is a, a really good uh, lead on and over into uh, one of our topics today, of course, which we'll be talking about Picard. So where were we, Dave, before 
Darth well, Sarubi well, the show, third well, of the whole merger of the show. I, I, I mean, we had this whole plan before he got here. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. yeah, yeah. The race the three-hour planning up, meeting all went up to hell. Yeah, um, oh. we were just talking about the news, and um, uh, of course, with the uh, the passing of Terry Jones and uh, this other member of the uh, cast. I'm assuming you're in the seeing the page. Uh, went on the Graham Norton show with a sweatshirt on, saying. I'm not dead yet. He's doing a very serious face, but there's a lot of comedy and humour about that. And this was on um, last Friday's Graham Norton show. And uh, who else was on with him? It was quite a good cast that time. I have to uh, move back to the uh, the Friday. Hang on one second. Give Darth uh, the chance to see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was on with Emma Thompson, both in uh, Dr. Doolittle. Um, and um, then there was also, uh, who else was on? Oh, I'm sure there was somebody else on. Where is it? Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on, David. Oh, Hugh Laurie, of course, Hugh Laurie was there. Uh, Discussing his personal history of David Copperfield that he was on, um, so yeah, so um, yeah, it was good, uh, good show. But uh, although, uh, despite that little, he was he was sort of uh, goading the audience somewhat. But uh, because they were both called Terry, uh, he often got they often got confused. He said people say about something he'd done and he hadn't done it and vice versa. But um, that was the news, the only news in actual fact we got to, other than the fact that um, Ian had mentioned a few personal notes there. Uh, Monty mm -hmm. Python, are you, uh, you still a big fan of that? Darth, I just catch the occasional film. Yeah, sorry, when are we? I, I literally just got back, so I'm not sure. Okay. Terry Jones. Jones. Oh, Terry Jones. Died. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed that news. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we were just reading it out. There's a link in the room there, the BBC link there. Um, died age 77. Uh, apparently, he's been suffering from Alzheimer's. Um, oh, wow. Uh, it showed a, a short film about two years ago of him collecting an award. And he was on the stage and he, he looked bemused and he couldn't really speak. And mm -hmm. other people made the thank you for him on his behalf. Um, mm. um, so it's it was sad, and it just so happened that uh, Terry, the uh, other Terry, had been asked on yeah, to yeah. Graham, and Graham uh, that was why. Yeah. Or the T-shirt. I'm not there. Yeah. The other one is. Uh, I mean, what was it on the, the, the Monty Python Facebook page? I think they put was it uh, two down. <laughs> How many is left? Oh. That's what they put on their Facebook page. I'm like, good on you. <laughs> you just wow. do a countdown of how many are left. Nice. It's not long ago since they had a stage reunion, wasn't it? It was, it was only about, so about three or four years ago when they, they went on stage together. Yeah. They did a live, a live Monty Python tour, I think. One wonders if they did that because they knew or... Yeah, fair way to his, yeah. his 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 mind was going, and he wasn't going to be able to do this much longer. So, you, know. you say that to me every week. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> wrong, is it? Not wrong, is it? 
I don't know. I have to check. Minder, keeper. <laughs> well, actually, remember, I did have some other personal news. Okay. Well, uh, of course, for Christmas, um, I was gifted uh, uh, Colin Baker's second season, the Trial of the Time Lord season on Blu-ray, and it is really nice. There's some lovely specials. I think I talked about it briefly last time I was on. Um, one, of the one of the sections on there is the, the, the doctor's table. And they sit there and they eat and they answer questions. And it's really, really quite nice, very informal chat. But one of the great things is I kind of didn't really read the special edition stuff that they were going to have on there. I just wanted it because it's the sixth doctor. But they went through and they re-edited the whole of Trial of the, the whole of Trial of the Time Lord. And I just started on it yesterday on the first episode, and it's actually really quite nice. Quite like it. It moves quite nicely. It doesn't you know. So it'll be interesting to see what the rest of it looks like. I didn't realize. Is it hmm? one thing? Is it one seven hour thing? No, it's it's individual it's episodes, but they redid the they went in and they re-edited it and created they edited it to be like it would have been broadcast in the episodic order, you know. So then no, take it and turn it into like a movie or, you know, they, they kept it in its episodic form, but then re-edited it. They added a, a new arrival sequence. There's actually a scene where the Doctor and Perry arrive on Rabalox. The TARDIS materializes and they get out and it's raining. That's in there now. Yeah, so this, uh, yeah, they, they oh, that's interesting. It because because the, the problem was with all the problems they had with that story is there's still a lot that doesn't really make an awful lot of sense. Well, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the story plays out now this way. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, maybe before you go on to the Picard, talking about Picard, and um, there, mm -hmm. there's also on the Doctor Who's year. News.net. There's been this uh, season 14 Blu-ray release of uh, the Fourth Doctor that um, has, uh, has come out. Now it came out. The we didn't do an episode last week, uh, Darth. We um, um, two weeks ago we I, I did um, um, because Ian was doing this. Uh, is driving Miss Daisy, and um, mm -hmm. so um, that's why we're going to be talking about episodes three and four today. And as I'm talking now. We're already the fifth episode is uh, actually on air here in the UK, um, but um, uh, Ian wasn't here last time, so he's going to take a little bit of time talking about the Spyfall as well. But anyway, the news about the four. Doug wasn't here for Spyfall, was he? No, no, no. Um, no so Doug is joining on that one too. Uh, the yeah. season fourteen Blu-ray release was announced a couple of days after we did our last. Live mm. show. So wait, they did season fourteen, not season thirteen. The order is interesting, I tell you. Yeah, fourteenth. So we're talking um, about we're talking about the the Sarah Jane Leela crossover. Class, yeah, we're talking about the class classic, the Fourth Doctor, Masker Magra. Right, right, Masker Magra, blah blah blah. That's really weird. The one I really wanted them to do was thirteen, but I guess I'll take fourteen. Well, whatever. Master Dragger is my favorite of all time, so that's fine. But yeah, the, this is the one that when I was on the uh, quest is the quest, Ian. This is the uh, yeah. that's the, the season that I covered with um, with on that one. And right. you did season eighteen, was it? The, you did. The, so... the, did you did you did you do the trial of the time, Lord? Or not? 
No, we did because uh, I remember I talked about Time Lash, which is what I'm thinking uh, of doing on. Well, no, no, I'm not going to say that. This is a spoiler. Just, uh, uh, okay. I'll be, I'll be on, I'll, I'll be on Professor Professor Dave's Ark in space later on this year with any luck. We'll be back, Colin Baker, and I'm bringing an episode. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, wait, it all depends on how, how, how now. What's that? Sorry, I, I didn't mean to stop you while you were rolling there. But what, no, what else is on the Six Doctor thing? Uh, there's um, there's the making ofs, of course, that were released with the Blu-rays, I think. So you have to yeah. sit through watching freaking Ian Levine spouting off. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I wish they'd edited that out before they'd sent that along. But you know, he was part of the show, kind of. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's... he's a contributing factor to why Colin Baker is only a really a two season doctor. I mean, let's face it, he he basically yeah. sabotaged that doctor. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the, let's see. There's uh, the Doctor's Table, which is new, um, which is okay. Michael Jaston, uh, Nicola. Um, 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 what's your name? Bonnie Langford and yeah, Michael Jason and Colin Baker. And they answer some questions that are in TARDIS mug things while they sit and have dinner. And it's really quite nice and relaxed. And oh. there's some interesting stuff that I hadn't heard before, but I don't know hmm. because I, don't, I haven't been to a lot of conventions. So I don't know what information gets repeated, brought out. But uh, yeah, they had some interesting stories. And there's a, I haven't watched it yet, but it's uh they do a revisit to the, uh the doctor who cookbook with actually oh, the really? next from the cookbook yeah that's hilarious uh, okay yeah and and there's other bits and pieces there's, of course there's the behind the sofa um on all hmm. of them um it's re i think so i haven't watched any of those yet because it's just been oh okay okay yeah you know, but there's the there. They don't they don't try to put her out by Langford or anything, right? They don't try to put her on the. Side. No, no, no. She's there's actually a, she's got a whole feature on the damn thing. Oh, good. Like a conversation with Bonnie Langford. So oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Her her and Nicola Bryant look fantastic. <laughs> Colin Baker and Michael Jason. I'm saying, perfect. I really want a storyline where Mel turns out to be in later life like the head of Twitter or something like that. And the modern doctor finds her. I really yeah. want that. Because Bonnie Langford is a fantastic actor. She really is. She got oh, screwed yeah. over by the program. And she would make oh, yeah. an she would be awesome in a modern sense, I think. Right. And it would rehabilitate the her thing character. Is, yeah, they, they, if you didn't know her, you don't need to know her. And it would be yeah. all girl power and it would be, you know, woman in charge. And, yeah. you know, it would be awesome. Yeah, she'd be businesslike and yo. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. the thing. It's like, yeah, she did. She is like, I mean, she was unfortunately she was a product of her time. You know, it was nobody nobody cared back then. It's just like, oh, let's get her. What is she known for? Oh, she's known for screaming. Let's have her do that. You know. Yeah, but it's great scream. Though. There wasn't. Hey, let's create a great companion that can, you know. Oh, let somebody get somebody who can scream. Oh, I know. Yeah, she used yeah, to yeah. scream on TV when she was a girl. Let's get her back. Yeah. Yeah. I but I've always really liked her and I love her on audio. On audio, she's fantastic. Mm. Everybody says that. I love more of that really... because because yeah. It, isn't it funny how the basically this the, the the era of Doctor Who that really got on the most 
is probably one of the most successful lines that uh, Big Finish has. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I, you know, I don't Colin think it's Baker's doctor is it's just amazing. It was never his well, fault. He, he, I mean, he's particularly suited to audio. Like his doctor being verbose is perfect for that medium. So whatever. And that's the, it makes that's the wonderful thing about his voice too is it hasn't really changed all that much either. You know. No. Um. Sort of about uh, not really news, but uh, Tim had been to um, um an event today in London somewhere and uh, yeah, Colin was today, talking, science of, was it, yeah. Yeah, the science what? of Doctor Who. Right, he was hmm. saying that Colin uh, made a preamble while he was on stage asking people not to record what he was saying because he said if you don't record it you'll get more interesting answers to your question um, and he was also slightly, uh, he also mentioned that short snippets of different things have been taken out of context so maybe he's given a, 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 a snappier reply to something or a whatever and that's been shown mm. and, and then yeah. he's having to explain well he's not having to explain but it doesn't put him in the light that it was intended to um, and Tim right. to be fair to him respected him and just took a few photos didn't record the yeah. actual interview yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think I'll have a, I don't know whether I haven't heard of any instance, but you know, people are, especially with things like what happened with uh, Peter Davison on Twitter and things like that. I can understand the man willing to, you know, it's like if he says something in a in a Q and A, like what do you think of you know of a female doctor, and then they edit it together with something else that he said. Yeah, you know, yeah, he has. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, he split this um, uh, in the Colin Baker and Dan Starkey Q&A at the Science of the Time Lords. Colin has asked not to be recorded as this will result in some more interesting answers. And he's fed up with bits of Q&As being used out of context on YouTube. Uh, so I'm not recording this and uh, therefore he's just put up uh, a few photographs uh, there of Colin on that. Yeah. Um, Look at that, it's like, otherwise it's going to be like, do you like the, you know, uh, do yeah. you like Jody? Yes. Do you not like Jody? No. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm just going to give you one word answers then if you're just going to misquote me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. There's a link to a picture especially, of Colin. It's, especially in audio because, um, ladies and gentlemen, in case you don't know, um, you know, Dave is actually rather incoherent. We just edit this all together to make him sound good. Yeah, I mean, that makes... it's just amazing what you can do with modern technology. <laughs> Hmm. Oi, oi, we don't even we don't even have to sober him up anymore. I mean, you get the two right out of it. You can do anything. Two yeah. weeks ago, I ran the show. <laughs> I was the only one on audio. I talked for an hour and five minutes on my own. Might be gibberish, but I achieved the feat. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do with computer generated speech these days. We just we just fired <laughs> up the, the, the Dave three thousand, plugged him into to, to talk show, and off it goes. Well, I, I prefer it to the days when you used to use me like a puppet. I won't paint a picture. I know you didn't come here to come. You already got it in. Where do you normally go? Where do you normally go, Dave? Nice. No, no, where I normally go, I have to pay for it. <laughs> Right, back on the <laughs> right.
Show's over, yo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Alrighty. Um, news. Any more news? Uh, we, we, uh, is there any more Dot Who news to cover before you go on to Picard? Um, uh, no. no. Oh, um, there is, of course, a rumor mill is started up, of course, because uh, Toss and Cole just got a part in an uh, American series, I think. Mm. And so there's now people are like, is he leaving? So, oh, Danny Pink, the actor, the actor who played Danny Pink, he's in that uh, mm-hmm. Another Life I've been watching on Netflix. Uh, slightly uh, a bit juvenile, the, the storyline of that. I don't know if you've heard of it, Darth. Uh, it's this obelisk type thing, um, an infinity, you know, figure of eight. Don't Come, come. Now, I'm so drunk, I'm not even placing the name Danny Pink. Help me a little bit. Who the hell's Danny Pink again? Clara's boyfriend. Doctor. Oh, that one season boyfriend. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the actor who played uh, Dr. Mysterio in uh, that Christmas episode, he's in it. And Katie said, yeah. is in it. Um, so some of the casting look good, but it's called another line. They they have to go. They think it's coming from this star six light years away. So within six months they built this interstellar spaceship, and the crew seems to be um, juveniles. Because well, I don't think it's a spoiler because I think it's a setup for conflict. But basically, there's a mutiny in the first episode. You know, oh. um, so but. Uh, I'm going to stick with it a little bit longer, but uh, that's only other Doctor Who related news because two of the actors from Doctor Who were were in this series. Okay. And, uh, There's a. I'm hoping sometime maybe this weekend. Yeah. Well, because we just we just got our we're getting our floors redone. Um, I want to see if I can uh, borrow my son's VR gear because now there's like two VR Doctor Who things, and I have to try. Oh them. yeah, yeah. That's supposed to be good. Yeah. Oh, have that's you, going international. Yeah. I don't. Have any VR stuff, but I know about this oh, okay. developer or whatever. Yeah, hmm. there's this one uh, game which I think it's like twenty dollars. So I can convince my wife. <laughs> and then there's another VR thing too as well. It's it's more of a cartoon type thing that I was just looking at. Um. So yeah, mm. VR man. Okay, I think right. Darth said at, he had he hadn't got any news to add. So I okay. think you no. wanted to talk about Picard, didn't you? Because I haven't seen it, but I don't you mind. Oh, okay. Well, well, this, well, well, I don't I mind being spoiled. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it. I'm just gonna say it's a really cracking. Good. It's off to a really good start. Um, Is it? Yeah, I, I I thought it was really good and really enjoyed it. I actually want to watch it again. Um, and yeah, uh, you, you just kind of slot right in there, and there's enough enough of Easter eggs and stuff in there, and. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Stewart just slots back into Picard. I mean, essentially, Picard is Patrick Stewart anyway. So, <laughs> sure. um, but yeah, and it's good to see some old, you know, faces. And yeah, there's a big mystery built up, and so far, it's so good. I'm really, wait, you know, and we're doing one episode a week, so mm-hmm. you know, you got to kind of wait. Oh. So that's kind of neat too. Oh. One thing, can I ask you about the trailer? Because there's mm-hmm. a scene right, fairly early on where he goes back to the academy and, and presumably the, the president, uh, this woman sitting down and he's appealing to her. And to me, 
he sounded quite frail. And I wondered whether the, this was because he'd been, you know, retired and he'd been on his vineyard mm. for five or ten years. It was, it was uh, the, the actor portraying himself as basically rusty and retired. And as the series progresses, you get more of his vigor and his strength back and make it so thing. And he was, he was. I don't think we've seen. Frail. I don't think we've seen oh, yeah. that scene yet. So I don't know how to place it and what oh. happened right before it. So. Right. Yeah, because that was in the trailer, but I don't think it was in the yeah. first episode. Ah, right. There's a lot of setup in the first episode, so you just got to kind of sit. But it, it marches along nicely, and there's some action stuff in there. And yeah. if I think if you're just a person who's like, oh, I've watched some Star Trek, you can get into it easy because there's enough explanation in there. But beyond that, there's enough under stuff where uh, you as a Star Trek fan go, oh, you know, like names mm. get brought up, like the Daystrom Institute gets mentioned. They actually go there, um, which has been mentioned from the original series. Yeah. Um, and uh, Commander Maddox gets a mention uh, okay. who, uh, a measure of a man, I think was it measure of a man? That the episode Probably. where status mm. on trial? So oh, yes. that gets referenced. And it's just like, it's fine because it's just a name to everybody else. But to us, it's like, ah, uh, yeah. Uh, so there's uh, enough uh, little stuff in there without it being over the top. And, you know, and they explain stuff that happened before, like the last movie. They kind of tie things together to you know. I bet on the surface, at, you, you don't know? even have to know who Picard is, really. I bet it's enough. To no, know. I don't really. This is a guy who used to be a big deal, is retired, but somehow is being brought out yeah. of retirement, and he's meeting all these yeah. people. Yeah, I'm sure you could probably just jump right in. It's yeah, probably it's, just like, it's, the, it's, it's like the Mandalorian, how the Mandalorian, you don't have to know anything. Yeah. But, you, but enough no. happens where you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I kind of yeah. am on board with this. Yeah, so some people are like, oh, I don't really know Star Trek. I mean, Star Wars. I'm like, yeah. it doesn't really matter. There's nobody right. even I, I, to know. Yeah, let, let me give a shout out here because you know those guys who are trying to take over the podcasting world you know that podcast network guys you know uh, discussing who uh, they do discussing mm. track and that's run by Clarence Brown the 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 most latest episode I'm sorry guys I can't remember the number mm. but if, if you subscribe to it they, they've done a setup program about what you need to know to watch Picard and they mentioned some you know about five or six shows are episodes that they recommend you watched and and also a few to catch up if you didn't know um about seven of nine watch to watch there to to get into her storyline a little bit as well mm -hmm. is it is, is one you're seeking out darth or is it not on one of your services uh picard Oh, sadly, I'm a sucker for services, so I definitely have it. Um, but I mean, but he just got home, so. So I. All right. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I am on the surface. You know, Next Generation is my least favorite Star Trek series. Well, maybe along with Voyager, they're indifferential to me. Um, so my my actual ask around this time of the year is actually. Uh, why am I having a problem thinking? Um, this one with Burnham in it. That's the one I care about. Um, oh, yeah. Discovery. Uh, Discovery. Yeah. 
that's <laughs> what I'm really looking forward to because that ended on a nice little cliffhanger and you know I really like the acting in that and the whole gestalt of it but um, I mean I'm going to watch Picard you know but it, I've never really been except in one role I've never really um, liked Patrick Stewart that much which I know is a, uh, a great sin against all fandom but no I don't care um it's just he's like never, it, well there you go i mean well john pertwee's doctor i'll say i like working you know and that's i don't know I'm, I'm sort of that way about there's only one real thing that i've ever seen him in where i was just absolutely blown away by him but otherwise i just think he's sort of a reliable guy that you know capable pair of hands that can you know be a good steward for whatever property you have but is not like hitting it out of the ballpark for me personally um but i completely respect those people who are like oh yes he is the be all end all of star trek yes that's that's fine i'm perfectly happy that he's being used as a, a way to launch yet another series and to introduce new characters and to give us a new slice of uh you know the federation i think it's great i will happily watch this thing but no it's not like oh my god i got home and it was the first thing i had to watch no i, I don't right. I want to watch it. Uh, in Logan, you know the last, the the last of the two, with him and Wolverine in together. So it was good to yeah, I, I will tell you, the only thing I've ever seen him in where I was fundamentally blown away was uh, the Richard II that had oh. Ben Wishaw in it, and where he was playing uh, Lancaster. And when he does the, you know, this England, this island, this whatever speech. Yeah. The scepter Isle. The scepter Isle. I lost my blank to that. Mm -hmm. I just thought he was fundamentally the best Lancaster, the best reading of that. I've never seen anybody do it better. I've never believed it more. I've never understood more. And of course, Ben Wishaw helped sell the scene by, you know, just brushing it off and mm -hmm. doing it with this great diffidence that only Wishaw can really do. I just thought it was. And I thought timely, you know, it, for our times now where you have, you know, Patrick Stewart representing the civilized past of a nation and Wishaw representing the basic, you know, Trumpian president, really. Um, and it's it just fundamental, just great, great, great use of Patrick Stewart. Um, so it's not like I don't appreciate that he can act. He can um, obviously act. It's just, you know. Picard is uh, just sort of reliable to me. Not not exciting. Not like uh, no, I didn't see that. Uh, you know, I mean, in um, in I Claudius, I mean, he was still. I mean, he looked older because he was already going bald. But he, yeah, it was only it was only average in that. I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's weird. But it's 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 the thing about actors. Like you know, some people's fandom is that of following actors around to different roles. And I, I have complete respect for that because I'll do that for certain people. I'll do that for Daniel Craig. And I was certainly rewarded doing that in Knives Out. That was Daniel Craig at his absolute pinnacle, I think, of comedic genius. Um, and uh, and then and that's, the, that's the original fandom, right? That's what people used to do back before there was Star Trek or whatever. You'd, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go see the new movie because it's a Cary Grant or because it's a Clark Cable or because it's Audrey Hepburn or whatever. And that's what you did. You went from Audrey Hepburn film to Audrey Hepburn film and you were rewarded for doing that. And I think, I think that people can do that with Patrick Stewart. I don't, 
but I think people can, and I think that they will be rewarded. Like, especially as you go into the X-Men stuff and you come back around to this, you know, to Logan, I think you do get sort of rewarded that way. It's just for some reason, uh, I mean, fundamentally, the reason is because, honestly, the commander of that ship should have been, by all rights, by all television rights, and if it were happening today, it totally would have been this way, the commander of the Starship Enterprise should have been LeVar Burton. Just should have been. Might have said that on this podcast before, but clearly he was the most celebrated actor going into that franchise. And he had been Kunta Kinte, and I'm sorry, but you just don't you fail to give Kunta Kinte command of your ship. That's just dumb. Why would you do that? Um, and to give it to somebody that you've just seen give a theater workshop in, at UCLA or whatever the story was, you say, LeVar Burton, hello, welcome. You are the captain of the ship. And, and it bugs me to this day that that didn't happen. And so I can't ever look at, I can't ever look at next gen and not think, wow, this show would have been so, so much better if LeVar Burton had been the commander. But, but just very quickly on that, Patrick, if you, if you take him in comparison to say Ian McKellen, who can Mm. do Gandalf and Magneto, Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is totally disparate in in their attitude, mm-hmm. behaviour, stance, uh, projection, everything. That shows to me a far greater range. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, but you know, I wouldn't put it past Patrick Stewart to be able to do that kind of range. I just don't think he did that, you know. And I think that he, I think that he played very stereotypical English, like Southern English. Hello, I'm from Surrey. I maybe teach at Cambridge, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think he I think he did the very straight laced, stereotypical Englishman. And in a way that was good. In a way he was therefore the straight man for a lot of humor or whatever. But it wasn't the most interesting take on the role. And I, I, I don't know how much of that is his fault. I don't know how much of it is the writing staff's fault. Whatever. But honestly you know, I think everybody else has been a reaction against that, and the reaction is more interesting than the, the action to me. Mm. I mean, for great acting, I watched it again, uh, Open Range last night, uh, Robert DeVal mm. and Kevin Costner. Oh, I mean, yeah. You can, you can, and, and unfortunately, the, uh, there was the British actor playing um, the one who plays uh, from Lord of the Ring, uh, from, from um, Harry Potter. Um, he was playing... Oh. Um, the sheriff, not the sheriff, the the big ranchman, and uh, his accent was awful. Um, I can't remember his name now, but it's the one who plays uh, Gandalf, who took over Gandalf's role in Harry oh, Potter. Oh, you mean uh, you, you don't you don't mean Gandalf? You, you mean Dumbledore? Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Yeah. You, mean, you mean Michael Gammon? Michael Gammon. Uh, his accent was awful. Uh, he was misplaced. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was supposed to be an Irish American, yeah. and it was, I thought he it was South Irish. African. Yeah, but well, <laughs> that's weird. Anyway, it, um, anyway, the point is that the I can watch that film Open Range a lot because of those two actors. Mm. That's the main thing. Anyway, we've 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 gone we've gone off planet. <laughs> you know, that's all right. Are we actually yeah. recording, by the way? I don't even know if we're recording. Yeah, we are. Yeah, this is this oh, is the okay. show. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> awesome. I didn't know where we were. It didn't sound like yeah, it when I, the show. I was like, ah, oh, okay.
I know. This usually ends there. This usually ends on the all this good stuff. Yeah. Very good. So yeah, you helped us actually because normally if we'd be doing this before the show and then we just record it and go, yeah, this happened. No, <laughs> it's good. Bad. Okay, cool. Move on. So right, um, you go, folks, you're getting the cutting room floor. <laughs> I'd ask you your money back if I were you. Yeah. So um, as I as I mentioned, um, uh, the last episode we did. Uh, this is episode. Uh, uh, three five nine. Although it's actually our six hundred and fiftieth episode in all, with all our commentaries and what have you. Um, uh, two weeks ago, I I did uh, a solo one man show. I did a one man show. This one night only. Uh, yes, uh, I had about six curtain calls in, so it was uh, you know you got a lot to live up to here. Uh, and I talked about spy. Well, film. if you quit peep, if you quit peeping at the woman across the street, I don't. So to take a line out of uh, Nikola Tesla's night terror, uh, pull back the curtain and uh, <laughs> do you want to go first and talk about your thoughts about the first two-parter? And as brief Ooh, uh, yeah, I'll try it. It's been a couple of yeah. Wasn't I? I should have really watched stuff before I came back into this. But yes, um, Spyfall. Uh, nice, great start. Um, Action packed. Went uh great guns the only problem was um some crazy scotsman ruined the surprise for me by mentioning um uh that of course of course it's spoilers folks if you haven't seen it now then i don't know why you're listening to this anyway because it's a review um of course sasha duan showing up as the master um and so that kind of can't get that back unfortunately I don't necessarily blame him because he was kind of defending the guy because people were complaining already. It's like, oh, you know, the box ticking because we've got a foreigner as as the master. It's like, what? <laughs> uh, so, but so that's what was his outright wasn't that like, hey, that was a great reveal of Sasha Dewan playing master. He was just angry. Like, so I forgive you, Jeff. Can't say that word on on this podcast because we don't have the ratings for that. But you know the word I'm thinking of. Um, so yeah, uh, that got spoiled for me. Um, was disappointed in Stephen Fry's kind of cameo because it was just, uh, let's see, we need somebody extremely British. Let's have Stephen Fry do extremely British, shall we? Okay. I mean, I'm I'm glad. I mean, if he wanted to be in the show, that's great, and I'm glad he enjoyed it and being in it and stuff. But I just was just a little born disappointed that that's the best they could come up with for a guest appearance of somebody it was just can you just be terribly british for five minutes certainly i can do that um lenny henry on the other hand i loved him in this this was fantastic um i think it's one of the best things i've seen him do um mm. and uh apart from chef love chef but this he was really good in here yeah and yeah it was a, a great story i uh, love the fact that we bounced around the globe and quite i think quite successfully for the budget of the show i've seen a lot of people leveling complaints it's like well the the, the australian people didn't sound australian what were they not speaking in an aboriginal tongue because that's an australian 
there's a lot of people in Australia from all around the world, and they've also got all got different sorts of accents. So if that's you, you're picking that piece to pieces, then that's fine. There's no true Australian accent, just like there's no true American one and no English one. So get off it. Anyway, that's my little rant over. Uh, but that's the thing is like I thought they did really well for the locations that they're using. I'm not sure if they're are they in South Africa again? Yeah. I think so. They're in South Africa again. And they're making good use of some of these locations. This is what this is what the the the, the classic series never did. Nobody ever thought of this. Is instead of going to this lovely location to get their, you know, vacation on the BBC and hang out at the pool for, you know, three weeks. I mean, yes, they did work, but they only worked on one story. I, I that's the one thing I've loved about the new season is that they have made good use in multiple stories mm. of one location. You know, like we did last last year, you know, the South Africa doubled for a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, yeah, here we go. It is doubling for for Australia. Um, so, yeah, it looked great. Uh, great action. Um, interesting having the master back and the whole bit about I'm talking about both episodes, right? Yeah. Part one and two. Um, and of course, right. the, the, yes, I'm not sure please. about the big reveal at the end because that it's one of those things where I do like it when we go to Gallifrey every now and then and dip into things a bit. But this one seems very revealing of Gallifrey, and I I'm just one of those ones who's like I I'd rather not know too much about the Doctor, where the Doctor comes from. Like I don't want to meet the Doctor's mom and dad. I don't want to know, you know too much because that's the fun thing about the doctor is you don't know you don't know where the doctor's been and you know uh it's been also another success of the the new series is that they will leave time gaps in between stuff there's actually mentions of oh well i i you know took a trip around here and here and here for two thousand years and then i came back to see you it's like there automatically you're adding more growth opportunities into the show for later on you know uh, we've got Big Finish, we've got BBC doing audio, we've got books and stuff. It's a lot stuff in a lot more easier now with the new series. Um, but anyway, back to this. Yeah, it was uh, a great opener. And the second episode was just as nuts, if not more nuts. I mean, we bounced through time. And I kind of got to say, really taken Doctor Who a long time to do something like this. Uh, first, we bounced around the globe with the use of technology, which was really kind of cool. Um, and then, you know, then we do this bounce through time, this chase through time. And then been done a long, 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 what was, what was it? What, Hartnell? Wasn't that Dalek Master Plan? They did it basically a Chase through time. Well, I don't know. Wedding of River Song was kind of like this. Yeah, but they don't do it. <laughs> they didn't do it well. This did it well. Mm-hmm. This, I think, this is a really great. Yeah, I, I just really love the way they did it because it wasn't more of the same of episode one. They kind of then just tilted everything, and you know um played with everything i mean the, the doctor saving them on the airplane like that that was really kind of cool you know uh because it's like how the hell did that just happen it's like, oh 
Well, she did it back in time. And it's like, that's what you do. That's what you do with time travel every now and then. You just got to get out all the stops and do some of the weird kooky stuff that the doctor really can't get away with doing every single episode because then it becomes stupid. But every now and then you go a little nuts like this in the first episode or the last one and you do something crazy like this and it really, really worked. I really enjoyed the playfulness and adventure. And that's what that's what the family want when they watch Doctor Who. Whether the fans want that or not is debatable, but yes. Anyway, that's my review of Spyfall. Yeah. I, I think there was a nice switch in the first one. You said they were trying to sell you this. It was going to be a multi-world story. Uh, right. Multiple worlds. And then in the second one, I think that's why it, it slight, seems slightly uneven in the balance, but I think they were trying to hold fast on the the fact that it was uh different time periods because we got what as we'll find out with other stories later on now historical figures are coming to the fore aren't we 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 had george Badley, babbage and we had yeah. uh, a ada love uh, ada lovelace that's not right is it ada the um the the mathematician and then yeah, uh, we had uh, the um that's right and then the um the um, the radio operator uh, who's um who the, the these are real people real historical characters right um so um the, there was that you you didn't mention the master's tardis which was nice to see back inside the tardis as well yes i was i was i was i was glad to see that and it was interesting to see the inside of her it was i'm glad to see the master having a tardis because and it just kind of pissed, picked me off really that you know there this is a race of people who travel around in these things and here we've got one with one and then one without one and he was without one for so long and we got we got hints of it in um when Missy was around, I thought there was a hint of of uh, her having a TARDIS, but I can't remember now. But yeah, so it was really good to actually see it, and it's like, and it was just so funny by spinning in the there, a la um, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> just, yeah, I think that's a bit much. Um, I really like Sasha Dewan as the master, but I just. Hope he kind of calms down the spitting fury bit. Because I really do kind of like him. Because I hate to say this, because the master is a time lord and can be just about anything. But I really kind of like the aesthetic of the the you know dark hair goatee, maybe, you know. Um, and a little more kind of suave and cunning, but you know, this whole like spitting fury stuff is I had enough of that with uh with uh Sim. So but anyway, on to Tadar. You put him to sleep. Yeah, guess. Wake up, Darth! It's your turn. Sorry, I had a little audio difficulty there for <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, I did not see this thing in a traditional way. In the first place, 
I have no spoilers whatsoever going into it. For a second, because I thought magical accident. I didn't see it as a two-part thing. I saw it as a one-part thing. And um, oh, okay, man, that was pretty fantastic. Um, I I really I kind of didn't believe. I guess what is what must have been. I I think I know where the end. I haven't see. I haven't seen it since. So. I'm I'm only guessing at what must have been the break between the two. But I imagine it must be around the point where the revelation is made that he's the master. Um, yes. And I, because there seems to have been a, a big shift in the direction of the narrative right after that, where all of a sudden she's transported over to Whatever this other dimension was, right? And right. at that point, it's um, it's it's really interesting how how the direction of the uh, story takes off differently. So I'm guessing that's where the split was. Um, but it was I, I'm struck by how the, how the thing has like. I don't know, three or four acts where each one of the acts has a different um, seeming, not just motivation, but um, flavor about it. Um, and I think it, I think it's probably because of that, Chris Chibnall's best work, I'm going to say, as a writer, feels like it's his best work, at least for right now. Um, and... The, uh, oh, you know what? I just realized I still have an audio problem. I don't know if I'm actually being heard or not. Yeah, yeah, it settled down. It, it, it went. Oh, okay. Slightly. Yeah, it seemed kind of. Sorry about that. It seemed kind of crazy on my end too. Anyway, um, and so for me, I I really like the fact that Stephen Fry is only in the first bit. I also find the Stephen Fry bit, um, to be a meta reference to Stephen Fry's earlier work. Uh, because there certainly is a character that he used to play on a recurring basis on uh, Fry and Laurie, which was basically a send-up of, I guess, what we would call M, which is really what he's playing mm. in this thing. And to me, that made it very funny. And uh, I, I just thought it was a lovely little reference. And I also thought it was lovely that he just died because you weren't expecting that. I mean, you think Stephen Fry shows up, you're going to get him for the whole episode. And so for them, him to be killed off pretty early, that was, I think, effective in terms of uh, putting you on the back foot narratively. Um, I also yeah. I also liked uh, the music quite a bit. I like the, the sort of references to... Um, sort of John Barry's work in, in Bond, I suppose. There are certain little refrains that seem very, you know, 60s Bond-esque about them uh, to keep us going forward with the whole spy nature yeah. of it. I don't really know if I understand why it had to be set in this sort of spy world exactly. Uh, and at the same time, I don't know if I really care because it's it's nice to have, you know, the the traditional thing in Doctor Who where you do a pastiche of a certain type of film, and I'm not sure that we've really done a, a pastiche of a Bond film before. So 
I was perfectly happy to watch it. I don't know that it makes any sense, really. I don't know if the the central... Uh, I mean, I'm imagining that we're not done, that this is set up for maybe just the conclusion of the series. But, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me that this is maybe presaging some sort of Cyberman thing because it feels very Cyberman-like. You know, especially the speech that uh, Lenny Henry character gives towards the end of the thing where he seems to be saying exactly what the rationale for cyber technology always is. You know, we can make your bodies better, but a few of us are not going to be cyberized because somebody has to lead things. It seems very much like, you know, traditional Cyberman talk. So I'm guessing that's somehow connected with Cybermen ultimately. Um but, you know, it's a, it's a common theme that we see in Doctor Who and have seen since, what, 65. Um, so quite satisfactory there. Um, just, just a really all-round funny, um, great movie. I mean, this is how I think of it. I think of it now as a movie. And it, it feels like, you know, it really was movie length and it was a movie quality, certainly, as Ian said, they're getting great value out of the location filming that they're choosing to do. Um, they're also getting quite a bit out of the, um, you know, aspect ratio that they introduced last season and with the um, possibilities for cinematography that that allows. Really some gorgeous, gorgeous photography running throughout this one in particular. Um, and, and, you know, it's great that they're fully utilizing you know, similarities where they need to between South Africa and America, between South Africa and other locations that they need to be in, except, of course, South Africa itself, where they don't need to be, apparently, for the narrative rationale of this particular story. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it really, maybe, maybe one of the best starts of a season in quite a while, I want to say. It feels better, swifter. Um, more economical and yet more madcap than a beginning in a long while. Certainly then at least, what was that season? Is it season nine that starts off with the thing on Scaro, which was actually pretty good too as a two-parter um, with Missy and the oh, yeah. and everything. The, yeah, that's yeah, season nine, the, right? That was a pretty good yeah, start, which, I thought. Which is a um, was it which is yeah, apprentice which is familiar magician's apprentice apprentice which is familiar whatever it is like yeah. that was a good start as a as a two parter uh, this one too is a good solid start as a two parter um, I'm interested to go back to it to see if it makes a different scene as a two part thing than as a one part thing um, right. but I I, I quite disagree though over the nature of the master i think this is a great new interpretation of the master um right. and i'm very very happy with the casting i think the casting at a meta level is really interesting using the same guy that that portrayed the first director of doctor who in, in yeah. Place as the master that i think is just hilarious at a meta level really um right. <laughs> uh, but also um I have to tell you, one of my secret hopes for a doctor has always been 
uh, well, not always, but since Slumdog Millionaire, I've always wanted to get Fatel in there as the doctor. Mm. And this works really well for me as a, as a good piece mm. of casting. Um, right. And and I think it's an especially interesting casting because they always kind of say, well, you want somebody who is opposite the current doctor to be the master. Um, And I'm prepared to put that, this this duo up against the Capaldi-Gomez deal. I think it's interesting. I think it's, you know, because she's kind of crazy a little bit. She's kind of in the in the vein of Tennant and and Davison, uh, you know, very frenetic energy. And he's very frenetic energy. Um, Yeah. And they seem very well. And there's lots of little nods to the past. And if you look at the dialogue, um, some nice Mm. reversals, some things that the doctor says that the master said in the third doctor's era. There's some really neat little things. And also just... The the fact the one of the things that made me actually just cheer in the theater was the fact that she used Morse code to do the the drum beats from Sound of Drums. Yes, I I love it. I'm like that was great. I that thought title, that was oh, great. Was... Who else is that going to call but the master? I yeah. just thought that was delightful. Man, that was good. <laughs> that was really really good. And and also you know her pairing. One of the things that this makes you a little bit wistful for is you know her pairing effectively with new companions for this episode, really, um, using the two women from the past and how seamless that was and how threatened, you know, our current companions felt by that pairing and how comfortable it looked for the doctor. Mm. It, it made me think, you know, really we can get people who are not from the same time period and we can, it can be fine as long as you choose people who are, relatively advanced or relatively liberal minded from that period. Yeah. They'll probably go along with it, you know, cause why not? Uh, 20th, 21st century people are really far behind the doctor in terms of technology, but they still make perfectly fine companions. So what's the difference between a 20th century person and a 19th century person? Not, nothing really, um, it, you know, compared to the doctor at least. And I just thought that that was a lovely thing. I'm not so sure about the the very ending where she forcibly removes their memories. I'm not sure I saw the point of that because you've never seen the doctor do that before, except for Donna, where it was important for her own mental stability for, you know, she needed to have the memories removed. Otherwise she was going to die, but that's because of very special circumstances to that particular episode. It wasn't, because of some great need to do that, because you would think he would have to do that for everybody. He would have to do it for Sarah Jane. He'd have to do it for Joe. He'd have to do it for everybody they ever came in to contact with. So why does she feel like she has to do it here? I don't yeah. know if I believe the rationale there, really. Um, no, because jumping to the uh, the uh, the Tesla episode, she doesn't do that to to him. The end of that. Story. Yeah, it's dumb. It's I, I felt that was very odd. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't exactly out of character because we know that the doctor has that power. It just was inconsistent with what we've seen before. You know. Right. So I don't know. But other than that little quibble, I don't know that I really have any anything but a great well, deal of joy for this episode. Yeah. I think you're right about the cinematic feel. I think it was definitely uh, made uh, with the uh, cinema 
presentation in mind. Um, the reference to you thinking about the Cybermen, of course, there's a lot of people saying that the it had a, a flavour of Army of Ghosts where the, um, hmm. the, the Cybermen would appear in sort of uh, obscured things. And then other people were talking oh, about the Gallifrey story where it was an invasion of time where you had these shimmering things coming. You couldn't tell it was actually invading Gallifrey. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I did think those those two women, Madeleine was her code name of the uh, the radio opera. But um, yeah, it, it it was a great launch scene, and I think it was not only very reminiscent of James Bond music, it was it was almost copyright breaking uh, in some beats of it. it almost they was going they were going as near to the line as 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 the feel of Bond that I thought than 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 the dare go but yeah uh, excellent but we've we've been talking an hour and a half now Ian and we haven't gotten to this subject yet so should I we draw a line under uh all that's gone before and um launch into well yeah I don't particularly want I've got a few clips but I think I'm going to skip quite a lot but let's just to get our mind frames up uh, here's first yep. clip from uh, episode three, Orphan 55. Collect six coupons, get a free holiday. I'm up for a free holiday. Where is it? A place called Tranquility. Me too. So long as there's plenty of sun and absolutely no deep space squid. Can I get you out of your muddy mood? My mood's fine. That's you, Todd. Hang on, Graham. They're not six perfect squares, are they? No, don't put them together yet. Late for that. Oh, what's happening? I hope you've packed. They're not just coupons. That's a teleport cube. Just activated. We've got about four seconds. No, 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 no. I've got to go and fetch my speedos. <laughs> joking. Already got them on. Welcome to Tranquility Spa. Oh, guys. This is a bit of all right, isn't it? Welcome! O'Brien Party of Four. Bandozi Herald coupons. I'm hyphen with a three. Your customer host here at Tranquility Spa. And relax. I hyphen with a three, nice tail. I'm a bit worried about being separated from my ship. Our system has saved exactly where you came from. You can return at any time, but you're booked in for two weeks all inclusive. Get in. Your rooms are just being prepared. Take a moment to explore, and I'll come and find you once they're ready. I'm going to find the pool. I'm seeing what they've got inside the building. <laughs> and I am going to sit over there for three hours, then, I'm going to get up and sit somewhere else, and then cocktails. All inclusive, Doc. Got to get your coupons worth. Get in. Right. Well, since you two guys have talked a bit, let me go first, if I may. And uh, for the greater good, I'm sure uh, Darth is all over this, but uh, that. Uh, comma three or what she was called that was a, a brummy accent a birmingham accent that was uh, being on display there in all its glory um, uh, unmistakable accent um i thought this was um a, well it was a base and siege story uh on first reading i wasn't rating it really highly at all um checking and listening through it for clips and things for today um I, i've Come to appreciate it a little bit more because again listening to the dialogue uh, on its own does does bring out uh, quite a lot of uh, uh, little end jokes um again um, the companions actually sound seemed a little bit sidelined on this uh 
maybe not all three of them, um, but um, um, certainly um, the storyline was a well-trodden one. It was basically a poor man's midnight episode, I thought. But I did like some aspects. I liked the um, uh, ionic membrane that was um, encircling this place, making them look as though they had a... It was like an infinity pool, but it was an infinity wall. Um, reminded me of a Star Trek story, uh, and I think it was called um, uh, The World is Hollow because I have touched the sky. I think it was something like that, original stars, where they were living inside a meteorite or something, and somebody had not believed that what they were seeing was a, a horizon, was a horizon. Uh, so this was this um, thing. And of course, we find out the trailer had slightly thrown me somewhat because it showed a young, young boy. So I was going in thinking that he was the orphan 55. By the way, that young actor with the green hair uh, fabulous in um, his Dark Materials that was on BBC only recently. He played the kitchen boy uh, in that, um, uh, alongside the young actress who played um, um, in that Logan film. I was telling you the uh, the, the 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 young girl who uh, who like Logan had the uh, the the blades come out of her arms who played a fantastic role. Um, so I'm jumping about a little bit, but yes, um, the, some of the casting was good. They they had the comic guy, the, um, um, the again the who's playing his father in the green hair from um, um, a number of uh, comedy programs. So the casting was was good, and we had some old uh, older actors in there. So we had a, a good range, but things were happening to them almost before we actually began to care about them um but um watching it more uh, and as i say the the the, the holiday that it it, it goes off uh, i mean uh, the only thing that made it better than some of the ones is that there wasn't a licorice all sorts gentleman wandering around the holiday facility uh, if you know which one story i'm referencing ian and dar um uh, the licorice all sorts guy um and of course we had spoilers again um if you haven't seen it but we had a planet of the apes moment as well didn't we um in this where this orphan 55 is actually the name of the planet orphans being abandoned 55 meaning another 54 planets had met this same fate and they were actually using this um this subterfuge of uh having this um, as a holiday home while they were trying to reoxygenate the atmosphere and basically turn worthless uh, retail space uh, space into you know a fortune and if you go back to uh, a story recently the one with the um, the arachnids in um, the spires the the um, the hotel one that they went in where there was a dumping tip and the worker built the hotel right over the dumping pit so there was a similar story line there and i'm trying to remember here what the name of that story was um but i should be able to remember because it, it was only from the one where they had a um somebody who was playing in a manner uh, of a a well-known American president in his demeanor. Um, it was, uh, what was it called? Um, hmm. You're not helping me, guys. 
It is called Arachnids of something. Arachnids in Sheffield? I don't know. Ah. Uh, yeah, but it, it, it had that uh, flavour to it where the hotel should never have been built there. And of course, the uh, thank you, uh, Arachnids, Guest 5 has put that in. Um, so mm -hmm. thank you, Guest 5. If that Guest 5 is Jeff, uh, welcome, Jeff. If it isn't, welcome anyway. Um, mm. So, um, uh, yeah, um, but th there's some quite good things in it. I mean, the, the device where the, the older couple have been together for four to six years and um, he was going to propose to it, couldn't. Uh, there was a nice touch, of course, that he had the uh, had to have the breathing, you know, something like, I don't know, I'd call it silicosis or something like that, where he had breathing difficulties and uh, therefore he already had his oxygen supply. Um, and then the, 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 a dark comedy moment, which was something really like out of Dark Mirror, in where he says he wants to ask his wife two questions, uh, his, his long-standing partner, two questions. One, would you marry me? And would someone out there kindly kill me, please? Um, so it had a, quite a bit of dark right. humor. Um, I'm going to stop there because, um, as I say, I did a quite a, a stint last show. I mm. want to hear more about it. I'll tell you what, let me play a second clip and then we'll go to Ian. Welcome to Tranquility's Bar and Refreshment Zone. We serve all your favourites, all inclusive. Oh, free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> with a vending machine. No, we just gave me an electric shock. That's not a shock. It's a hopper virus. This machine's sick and it just passed its virus onto you. Why did I get a virus the same as the vending machine? I'm not a machine. Hoppers are multi-platform. They'll go for anything. Don't pick at it. Oh, but did it just go through me? It's moving deep inside you to mutate into your nervous system. What? Important not to panic. Humans always have the same reaction to a hopper virus. First you get the wiggly fingers, which is a warning. The legs are about to go. Oh. Luckily, this is where my hopper first aid training kicks in. You need to get rid of these, then pinch your ear, ah! and you're going to sneeze. Oh. Now suck your thumb until the hallucinations stop, and remember, they're not real bats. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, was somebody about to speak as I hit that play button? No. No, oh, okay. I said I, I think I said all right when you said you were going to play a clip. Uh, I said all right just as you played it. <laughs> Ian, uh, do you want to sure, I'm ready to go. Um, this, I don't know, this one's got me all weird because it, I think it really should be a two-parter and should have been ex expanded mm -hmm. actually and become much more because the things that annoy me in it are um we are a hurried through things like this whole virus thing more mm. could have been made of that instead it's it's treated as a little comedy bit where i do wonder if at one point this was a much larger episode and the guest cast mm. are just overlooked nobody's really given anything um the closest we get is the that uh scene with benny but unfortunately we don't get to know benny and we don't really need to know Benny's companion. So we don't I really care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I don't even know her name. We don't really care. Whereas mm -hmm. we could have if you'd They're given us enough time. If you'd made this a two-parter and yeah. they had explored the the this um <laughs> spa and things had 
slowly progress, but the moment they set foot there, everything goes wrong. And while that's true of just about every Doctor Who story, it's almost like they were waiting for them to get there. Uh, it's just, I do like it. I like the entire story. I just want to see them go, here's another episode and just fill it all in. Because it just felt rushed and it then made the, I don't think the message, because I mean, a lot of people have been complaining like, oh, your way to whack us over the head with a sledgehammer with the message at the end. I think it only really kind of comes across that way because everything is so rushed. And there is nothing wrong with being hit over the head with a sledgehammer for a message if you're not really getting the message to begin with. Um, mm. So, you know, at what point, uh, I'll put this, because it's, it's one of my favorite arguments and uh, at the moment, because I equate it to my weight loss. And I look back over the past to 10, 15 years, and my body has been giving me messages for an awfully long time. One of them was when I dislocated my elbow when I fell and tried to break my fall with my arms. Basically, my elbow said, you've got to be kidding, mate. No. Um, and there's been other things, but I wasn't listening. Um, I finally started listening and now I've lost some weight and I'm feeling better and I'm taking better care of myself. So it's one of those things. It's like sometimes the message just gets a little louder. And, you know, so, and there was no real... I mean, there was a lot of things that were in those flashbacks. So there's all sorts of things that are in the in the uh, the cards for us. It all depends on how we play it. You know, that's all that was really saying. But uh, I think that that's the main problem with it is that uh, yeah, the the guest cast was the guy from Betweeners. Ah, that's what uh, I was trying to remember. Yeah. He he's fine, but again, you don't get this bond thing that they they were hinting at this relationship between father and son. And it really never quite gets there. You know what they're hinting at, but it's like it could have been better. So, yeah, that's the only fault I see in this is they really should have made this a two-parter, and I think it would have been fantastic. But it's adequate there's some nice effects in there like the breakthrough and you know when you see the outside world and of course the reveal that it's earth which i kind of got the the idea behind and then you know it, it is does raise the question if we do this to the earth and then things happen to the earth after we leave do we have any right after that to come back and try and rehab the damn thing and change the lives of whatever creatures that are left that have adapted to live in this environment do we really have any business going back there and you know oh we're, we're, we're back now now that now that everything's cool we're just gonna like move back in no 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 if you uh if you lost your security deposit and they locked the door when you left you really don't have any business going back and trying to say well i used to live here and so it's cool right no <laughs> That was the other message, and that gets a little lost too. Is like, what right do we have then to come back to a planet we abandoned because we wrecked it? You know, and so that's a 
because you know yeah. obviously these these creatures what was left of humanity that never could leave or whatever they were they adapted to live in the environment and they made it their home and it's like hey it's yours keep it you're more on tune in recent things than, uh, as well because uh, the area around chernobyl uh, which obviously is affected by radiation uh, there's mm. been quite a development with scientists about how some various wildlife has has, has thrived not thrived yeah. but you know, it, it, it's overcome the obstacles the other thing about that couple that you were mentioning that you didn't mm. um going back to one of my favorite episodes of my voyage of the damned there was that couple, the young, the 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 couple that you know, it was a, it was almost like, um, you know, the uh, the the underwater one where the ship's sinking, right. Titanic one, um, but mm -hmm. and the Kafalapalai, but your mate Kafalapalai, yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. You know, you actually connected with them before they had to yeah. try and escape off it and so you cared so when the doctor said I, i'm going to do this i'm going to do that and because uh, i've lived all this you, you know th that had a lot more residence a lot more thing where well, here's you yeah. say i'm not too sure i would have liked two parts because i don't think the story would carry it the thing about that that disease or whatever it was it was basically shot because yeah virus because it was only really the solution at the end to change one metal into another that allowed them mm. to transfer off the thing in there so it was a means to an end as well as being a, a funny uh right so let me i'm going to jump a few and then we'll go to darth uh i'll jump a bit on this because well because of time really this whole planet looks dead it is it's an awful planet it's degrading that means it's become too toxic for life we're not safe out here well we weren't exactly safe in there Come on, Doc, explain. Why is it called an orphan planet? Because it's uninhabitable. In societies that let this happen, there's nearly always a ruling elite that gets to evacuate and then signs off all responsibility for whatever they've left behind. That's messed up. Happens more than you think. This is Orphan 55. And if you can't evacuate, you die. All sentient life dies. That's how it gets the grading. Except on Orphan 55, something clearly survived. The dregs. Why here, Kate? Why build this hotel? It doesn't make any sense. The air is unbreathable. But a few years with the right terraforming, we can reduce the CO2 and make the whole planet habitable. Terraforming, bankrolls, by fakeication, smart. Today, hotelier, tomorrow, proud owner of Orphan 55, the best real estate in the galaxy. If you can sort out your drug problem, you'll be rich. Okay. Uh, you, we're handing over to Darth now. You, you've finished on your bit, didn't you? Yes, yes, that's that's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I got to say, this is an episode so bad, it begs the question, is this worse than The Beast Below? And I think it might be, but it certainly is on the same order of illogic in, in the fact that from the very beginning, the Doctor should have known they were on Earth. I mean, what, the TARDIS didn't? tell her that they're in the solar system there's no mention of this planet being moved out of its orbit right no they were transported there from the tardis by the the coupon cubes so she had no idea what planet they had yes. yeah i guess all right maybe she says it is like I, i'm worried about being separated from my ship 
All right. All right. Fine. I guess you can have that one, but I mean, still, it, it uh, you know, first of all, it's deeply derivative of the macro terror. It's mm. deeply derivative of certain strains of humor within Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, it certainly is evocative of the mysterious planet, and it causes problems for not only the mysterious planet, but many other accounts of the Earth's future. You know, you have to now rectify this against the Ark, and you have to do it against the Ark in space, too, which is already a problem. You have to do it against um, the second episode of uh, season one. What was that called? I forget. Um, well, in 2005. Um, oh, uh, the new, 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 new. Yeah, Earth. yeah. Or, yeah, why they even moved to new, that, that whole trilogy of new, new Earth stories. Um, all, all that. I mean, yes. And, and the thing that's even worse about it is that at the very end, it's very casually said, well, this is just one possible future. So maybe this doesn't go. even happen. So it's like, well, okay, if you're going to start saying that. If we're explicitly on screen going to say nothing here matters because maybe this isn't the way it turns out, then you're really in some very uh, muddy territory, which is already, you know, with Doctor Who, we realize that this <laughs> kind of happens all the time. You sort of accept that going in, that it's a show about time travel, so therefore it is possible that episodes contradict themselves. But if you're just going to on screen say, oh, well, maybe this isn't how it turns out. Maybe if we do the right thing, it won't turn out this way. Then, then it kind of devalues the story quite a bit to me. I take, I take it you don't watch Flash because they've spent about three seasons. No, 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 no. that's different. That's <laughs> totally different because the, those are multiple Earths. Um, that is an established truism, and it always has been, you know, since 1960, whatever, for whatever, the, the, the multiverse opened up. Um, that's mm. the point of the multiverse, in fact. But this isn't multiverse, right? This is very different than a multiverse. This is the one universe with different possibilities in it because time travel exists within this universe, right? And mm. actually saying it on screen, I think, is worse than the sort of reality of there being inherent contradictions between stories that are told in different eras, like the inherent contradiction between the arc and the arc in space, right? Um that to me is okay and and allowable in a sense because you have different production teams. They aren't following what the other production team is doing. They're 10 years apart from each other. At that point in the show's history, you didn't have DVD, you didn't have VHS even. So therefore people weren't you know, able to directly copy. Whereas I think this is like, let me take this element from the mysterious planet. Let me take this element, you know, from the end of the world. Let me take this element from over here and blend it all together. And, and especially from Hitchhiker's Guide, I think that there's just a ton of that in here. Um, and and put it together and see what the hell happens. And I, I find that really kind of lazy and egregious. And, I, and really, you know, we're, it's, it's so odd. It's a great lesson though, between, the first story and the second story, right? In the first story, you have this really quite seamless, beautiful reveal of the master, right? If you didn't know the master was coming, like I did not, and then 
Sasha Dewan turns around and suddenly is the master. Oh my God. Thanks, that Jeff. So, that's, so, that's such a powerful, powerful moment, right? Whereas when this girl that, that um, is being hit upon by one of our three stars suddenly turns around and she's the one that's causing all this evil, it's like, well, that is dumb. You know, it, it really feels like from again from another episode last year. What's that one where it was all about the bubble wrap and the exploding bubble wrap? Uh, and then Lee Mack in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kablam. Kablam. Yeah, whatever it's called. Uh, like that was a pretty sudden <laughs> shift in character, right? So that somebody you sort of thought was your, on your side suddenly turns around and is the architect of the evil in the episode. And that's the same thing here, and both are kind of clumsy, right? But this one is especially clumsy, I think. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you really start to deconstruct it. So I don't know. I just uh, it's that's, action, that's why I kind of action, action for no particular purpose. I, I, yeah. this is why I get the feeling that it, it, it almost sounds as if it was a two-episode idea. Yeah, maybe. You know, like maybe. Like, if we'd had more background of this woman and there was more conversation going on and we would have gone, Hey, what's up with her? Why is she, didn't she just, you know, mm -hmm. but everything was so hurried and compressed that I think we just, it just ends up not being yeah. good anymore, you know? Yeah. Maybe. But I just get the feeling that the idea behind everything yeah, was actually pretty cool if you'd done it. You know, I don't know, over two episodes. Maybe, although I, I I get that. And you might be right. It would have been better than what it was. But at the end of the day, it still would have been kind of essentially what it is. And what it is is still kind of derivative. And I, I'm, hmm. I'm happy to have this be a clunker and we just move on to the next one, sort of. I mean, I would have been happier if it had been actually good. If they had taken away a plot, like if it had, I, I think that you're right. It is overstuffed with ideas. And if it had simply mm. been uh, like they could have done without the this is Earth thing at the end, right. they really could have. That was completely unnecessary and sort of deliberately evocative of other episodes where it didn't have to be. If it had been about the right. girl, then you could have fleshed. You needed to flesh out the girl. You really did. That's the she's the thing right. on which the plot hinges. And so to not have any more about her is is dumb the only utility of the girl the only in fact to me the only utility of the entire episode is that it confirms that ryan is not going to be getting it on with um yes right i don't know no so sister was trying to get off with wasn't it well that was in the first episode but in the second episode it's clear that he's looking around at least at other people I mean, you got to say that. But she's interested yeah. in him, and I, I. Well, I think that's what's going on. Is that's why she hasn't given them each other's numbers, is because she's kind of interested in Ryan. Yeah, maybe, but maybe. I, I mean, that'd be great thought. too. But at least, at least there is progression of the sort of ancillary characters, right? Your your other right. main characters. At least there's that in this episode. If there wasn't that, there'd be really no redeeming value at all. Um, and, 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 even and I see the whole I idea behind it. He's kind of clumsy in this episode, personally, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I think they kind of, I think they tied her hands a bit, you know, with yeah. everything. A lot of people complained about the whole breathing thing. You know, we know the doctor can actually, you know, has an extremely amazing respiratory sure. system. And even though the doctor was 
um, talking a lot that shouldn't have mattered. Right. No. No. So, yeah. She should have been lost man standing there, shouldn't she, if you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it yeah. just kind of, I, this is where the nitpicky fan part of me goes, they really should have known that, especially right. since there's a fan at the wheel. Yeah. It's really a kind of a clumsy thing to say, oh, well, the doctor's going to run out of air first. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's weird. And the yeah. other thing is like, okay, fine. I have misremembered this episode because there's no way I'm watching this twice. Um, but yeah, I misremembered that she didn't have the TARDIS with her, but she does know about this company, right? She, it's, it's, it's to her a famous institution throughout the galaxy, this, this giveaway thing, right? She, she definitely remembered that, right? There wasn't news. Well, she, what was the cubes? She knew the transport cube thing. I don't know if she knew about the, the particular vacation company. Oh, it's using the same uh, artifacts, uh, what they call it, as the the plan man, as it were. But um, the two things. Uh, I mean, I it is better on a rewatch, but I don't think many people will bother to rewatch it. I think it's been right. the weakest of the ones so far, including the next one we're going to talk about, uh, and. Um, I think that thing about uh, why that girl was brought on, she was the same as we had this virus at the beginning was to bring the solution of uh, converting this metal at the end. Mm -hmm. She was only there because she brought a bomb and they had a bomb to blow up, you know, the, the resort and therefore end uh, this woman's aspirations to do what she did. We had this family bonding, of course, of, um, you know, the, the mother, uh, protecting a, a daughter um and we had the 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 couple but the you're right it was so rushed it even as i say with the voyage of the damned you cared about some of those people on that ship that they escaped and were brought to safely you know um where here um you know i mean when you saw these red dots uh, you know graves says what are those red dots oh it was 90 people being killed oh right yeah uh, yeah carry on um but there is some clever dialogue if you can be bothered Maybe. Maybe. You, there's more to get out of it but i don't think people well it, it's a self-contained episode and i think right. this one i should just say by the way um going back to the um what what we've now talked about the sky four part one and two uh the first one had nearly seven million viewers mm -hmm. um the second one, just over six million, both got an approval rating of eighty-two. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the approval rating of this was seventy-seven, yeah. and uh, it was down to three point, uh, sorry, five point three eight mm -hmm. million. So it lost a million and a half from the first episode. Yeah. Um, but um. We haven't got the numbers for the Tesla one yet, but the approval rating has gone up to 79. Well, I think we ought to, to our marking, we ought to spend some more time on what I believe is a, a, a worthier episode. Um, All right then, boss. Okay, first clip. When I first saw this view, I was inspired to build my Niagara generator. And now, these waters power a city. There's so much more in nature that cannot be seen by the naked eye. Forces invisible to us which animate the universe. And they were hidden 
from our understanding until now. Gentlemen, I, Nikola Tesla, have invited you here to pull back the curtain. Shall we begin? Oh, sir, ladies and gentlemen, I plan to harness these forces of nature on a scale never seen before. A world wireless system, a way for each of us to reach beyond our immediate sphere into every corner of the earth. I only require the small investment of $50,000. $50,000? Small price to pay to transmit energy through the ether, but no wires. You mean flying around in the air? Poppycock. They're even more far-fetched than those Mars stories that we've all been hearing about. I'm sure you gentlemen know better than to believe everything you read in the Times. Thank you, Miss Garrett, but I did, in fact, receive a feeble electrical signal, and I calculate it comes from Mars. Okay, well, I went first last time. Ian, do you want to go first on this one? Hello? Just check is it in sorry i was muted the dogs were barking while you guys were talking so sorry about that um yeah this is a good one um uh good to see gore and showing up uh, from it it's like does this make this as a timeless crossover episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but no i uh, actually he looked really good I, at first when i heard it I was like, really? He's going to be Tesla? But actually, he did it really well, and the, the look was nice, and everything. Um, loved the setting and everything. It's just, I don't... Uh, I guess the alien... I guess sometimes you get naff aliens trying to do stuff. You know, sometimes they're just naff aliens knocking around the galaxy or just really pants at stuff and somehow manage to threaten the planet. But it does, uh, I, you know, one of the things Doctor Who should make kids do is go and look stuff up on the internet. And so having an episode with Tesla in it is fantastic. Um, I'm not sure about the validity of how truly villainous Edison was. That I need to go look up myself because I have no idea, to be honest. Just whatever you got fit at school, you know. So... Uh, but I found that an interesting thing, but I don't know if it was overplayed for uh, dramatic tension, but uh, uh, good to see, uh, um, oh, I've got his first name now, I'm going to say the wrong one, aren't I? Lannister, which one? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Robert. It was oh, Robert. Robert, yeah, I was going to say Philip, I'd say I was going to be wrong, it Robert. <laughs> um, good to see him back in Doctor Who again um it's been a while but yeah truly kind of it, it, it is actually amazing because i mean he's definitely playing a villain role probably actually a better villain in this than the aliens um but it still kind of walks that line of um businessman slash villain i mean really he's just you know he's collecting all the 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 ideas into one base, you know, big think tank operation and paying them for it and they're willing to be paid. And so is that evil? Who knows? And, you know, um, it's of course going to introduce people to Tesla and some of his ideas and the fact that, you know, uh, 
which is one of those guys who's a little bit early and a little bit nuts. Uh, sometimes a little bit nuts works with, you know, um, inventing and stuff like that. So, think, think yeah, outside but the it was... Hmm? Thinking outside the box, that sort of... Yeah, yeah. You know, that, it, that we're not the only ones who have had these wild and crazy ideas, that some of these ideas that we have now, some of these inventions that we have now were thought of way earlier than just like five or 10 years ago. You know, there were people who had these fantastic ideas, you know, hundreds of years ago. They were that, I don't know, human beings have always been like that. And just because they lived, you know, hundreds of years ago doesn't mean they weren't as fantastical in their thoughts. They dreamed, you know, Da Vinci dreamed up, you know, uh, flying, you know, uh, airplanes and helicopters and you know it's it's amazing you know and so it, it's a really good historical episode and i know there's some inaccuracies but the whole idea behind you know adding some drama and some science fiction to it is to make it palatable to especially young minds who will then go and go, who's this Tesla guy? Anyway, he was real. And they'll go online because they've got access to all the information. And they can find out, you know, far quicker than, than we ever could, you know. And that's the great thing about, I actually saw somebody complain, but because of the lack of a sarcasm indicator, um, I'm not sure if they were being serious or not. It's like, can we quit with these historical educational episodes, please? It's like, and get back to proper Doctor Who, I think, is what they finished it worth with. And I was like, um, um, never mind. You know, the original remit of the show was to be educational. And here we are, we're introducing some education to kids and wrapping it up in this nice little science fiction story. And people are complaining and it's yet, you know, more historical figures. Can we get rid of the historical figures? It's really, nobody's ever going to be happy. Yeah, it's not, it's not like you've seen Lincoln in Star Trek, is it? Oh, uh, dear. So, yeah, uh, it was it was good. I really enjoyed it. The setting was great. And, yeah, I think I need to watch it again. But, oh, it was actually good to see because there's a tendency to over-romanticize people to the nth degree. And so it was really good at the beginning to see Tesla go, you know what? I found this shiny, it's my shiny, and I'm not giving it to anybody. And see, and you know, he like really kind of disobeys the doctor throughout most of this. And it's good to see. It's just like, I don't know who you are. Because we usually find in most of these, everybody just automatically accepts the doctor's authority. Tesla's kind of like, <laughs> I had Edison. He he milked me dry. I'm not letting anybody else milk me dry. So I don't know who you are, lady, but Mashani. <laughs> so yes. Anyway, next. Well, let me play a clip. And we'll go to Darth. Lurian Blaster. Nasty, deadly thing. But here's the funny part. Whatever was firing it wasn't Silurian. So, Nikola Tesla, why is someone chasing you with an alien gun? You believe this is alien? Not so fast, you big fat liar. Why do you keep saying that? She always this impertinent. Yes. yes. First thing I asked you, I said, have you seen anything weird? And there's one important thing you failed to mention. See, I started this evening chasing an unusual energy reading. 
I followed that signal loud and clear to the Niagara generator. So why am I still detecting it on board this train with you? Whatever it is, hand it over. This is one of the most miraculous things I've seen in my life. It's a mystery I intend to solve. And I have no intention of handing it to total strangers. Strangers who just saved your life. Whatever you found is putting you in danger. Yeah, both of you. You all right with that? I agree with Mr. Tesla. If anyone can make sense of this, it's him. Well then, if you won't hand it over, you leave us no choice. We're not letting you out of our sights. Before Darth goes, two things very quickly. I can't believe how good that music is behind them there. And secondly, mm. Tylorians, is that alien? They were here before us, weren't they? Yeah, but to, to I mean, I, I guess you could defend it by saying as far as who she was talking to, to them it was an alien weapon. Yeah, it was easier to say that, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, rather than what are you doing with a Silurian weapon, he would have gone, what? Or what are you doing, you know, what are you doing with yeah. an Earth weapon? Right. An Earth weapon. Right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I kind of get that. Um, oh, and I want to say about the previous episode, the one, one brilliant thing I liked about it was the whole Speedo line from... From, from from Graham before they transported. I just <laughs> I just love that line. I just the looks on the faces when he said it as it well. It just made me laugh so much. And I'm like, you know what? It was in a genuine laugh too. I was just like <laughs> couldn't stop myself. I'm like, it's that was funny. Don't worry. I've got them on already. Now, now let's have some serious conversation. Darth, yes. Easily. <laughs> Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be able to provide that for you, uh, except to say, um, I, you know, from a pop culture standpoint, this episode is hurt a little bit by, well, I guess ultimately Harvey Weinstein, of all people, um, because had there not been that scandal, the current war starring Benedict Cumberbatch and other people would have come out two years ago and therefore been a little bit more distant in the pop cultural mind from this episode than it is whereas that wasn't the case and the current war just came out so it's entirely possible that you may have seen the current war and then gone into this episode and looked at this episode as the current war light um and therefore been a little bit less impressed by the storyline on the other hand uh, if that didn't swing your way, then um, I guess you would compare it against maybe real things. And one of the odd things about both the current war and this is that it portrays Tesla as kind of the loser, which sort of he was in one way. But it, in particular, that his AC lost out to Edison's DC, and that's not really true. Because mostly we run on AC. In his, li in his lifetime, we were able to. Sure, in his that. lifetime. Well, I, you know, I don't even. I, I'm not exactly sure when he died, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, ultimately, though, he did very much win in terms of backing AC. And I, I, oh, yeah. I find that really interesting about this episode is that it shows people will protest kind of anything. 
and that's great. I mean, that's one of the things that makes America great is the ability to protest. Um, but it is fascinating to see, um, and it was probably true. I don't have any reason to believe that it wasn't true, that people would protest AC back in the day in the same way that they will protest um, against the reality of climate change now, you know, or insert whatever science you want to. People are always scared of science before they accept it, you know, and it that's a very a, interesting. Could have been point. a rental though, that, that bloke had outside, you know, Maybe, in other words, yeah. they, were, they were paid to, to, to shout him down, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, it but, didn't, but, I mean, it didn't get protested like this, but it's like, I mean, recently technology wise, um, We've had uh, Betamax versus VHS, right. and then we had um, what was the uh, Laserdisc versus CD or whatever. No, it was uh, Blu-ray and what oh, was Blu-ray. Oh, oh yes. yeah, an yeah. HD DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it, 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 wasn't that funny? At one point, we had to make a decision. And now mm -hmm. we can't remember who the other one was. Right, so right, right. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, and with with VHS versus Betamax, it's funny because the the in the lesser pretty much of the two formats won out. One. Uh, I mean, Betamax. Betamax still people think Betamax died, but it 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 existed in the TV industry for many years to come. But you know, right. nobody it's knew that because it wasn't being sold in stores anymore i think it's a my uncle had a betamax machine he swore by it and i was thought right, right. what do you know and then i found right. out i was like i guess he knew what he's talking about well i don't know how yeah. long I, I don't know how long i backed apple products when people were just scoffing that but now it's the most lucrative hmm. company on earth you know? yeah and people yeah. can't remember when there wasn't an iphone really um, i'm sorry I was slightly disappointed that they didn't mention in this that AC has one fantastic uh, thing over DC is that you're less likely to die from it because the alternating current, if you touch a live thing, it throws you away. It throws you mm. from it, you're hurled away. Where with a, a direct current, if you touch that, you can't let go and you basically yeah. stay there till you're fried. So, I mean, that's a very, very <laughs> a big favor for AC. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I you mean, think I that think would have that, won the argument right there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can here see we go. Edison was trying to twist yeah. that, right? Um, I, I think that's one of the great things about this episode is it it, it does hew very much toward um, you know the original mandate of Doctor Who to be an educational show because it it for the first time has a celebrity historical that's an inventor, right? Well, unless you want to count. Mm. Spyfall obviously had some inventors in it, but they were maybe not the focus. Whereas very, very squarely here, you have the, um, the, the, the guy that I swear from trailers I thought was Kevin Klein, but is not, of course. Uh, no. he, he, I mean, honestly, I never, I mean, I watched ER for years. I would never have placed this guy. Um, next to Kevin Klein and thought, oh yeah, they look alike, but here they look alike in this episode. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, I thought he, he looked like that actor, the very tall actor, Clint, Clint East, not Clint Eastwood. Clint, the, sure the one, he, uh, what's he called? He used to play the Virginian or something. Um, not the, 
he used to play in the cowboy where he's all dressed in leather. Clint, somebody, he's about six foot five tall. I'll have to look that up while you talk, sorry. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I have to put up with, folks. <laughs> into looks like that guy. I, looks like that guy right there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I, I just... It took me a while. This guy, this guy was so great. I think at, at portraying, you know, somebody who is, let's face it, pretty close to his own ethnicity. Um, mm-hmm. That it took me a while to think. Oh yeah, that's the dude from ER who took over from uh, Doug Ross from, uh, you know, from uh, Clooney, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, up to Croatia, he was actually called at the time. Right, 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 right. And I was actually. I, I, I had to I had to tell my wife off because part way through this she realized who it was and I'm like oh, the Croatia <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Um, plus he was also on Timeless as well which was oh was Clint he really Walker. Good partner. Mm-hmm. Clint Walker what Clint Walker no I wouldn't have put him in the face not I don't know I don't know but I mean I I just thought that Goran um, Bisnich was so well cast and did some amazing acting even when mm. not given lines like he was very present yeah. in the moment like that's what they always tell you at acting school whatever you know always be listening yeah. to other actors and reacting to other actors but if you're interested in what that looks like it's really him yes. in this episode great just fantastic facial expression um, and I, one of my favorite things in this episode is him against, um, uh, oh my God, why am I saying Ray? Cause I've been seeing too much Star Wars lately. Um, who is she? <laughs> Female companion. What is her name? Three words, three letters. Um, why am I referring to I can think of is Manda Gill. Um, Manda Gill, fine. We'll, we'll just use Manda Gill. Yeah, we'll do Manda, uh, yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, that, that scene between Gorn and Mandip, the several scenes where they are trapped together, really right. great. Like some of the best mm. scenes for her ever, really fundamentally great. And you can see how she is, unlike maybe the other two, she is fully capable of becoming the doctor when the doctor is not around. Like an inspiration right. to Nikola Tesla. Now that's pretty mm-hmm. heavy stuff, I think. And one of the best uses of her Probably since, um, you know, the Punjab episode, probably mm. um, just, just alone with the yeah. guest star and with the guest star, let's face it, this guy is a pretty big get for Doctor Who. I mean, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. He's, he's got, pretty, a, I mean, he's got he... a resume as long as your arm, you know. Yeah. And oh, by the way, what? Yaz, thanks to guest five. Thank you, Yaz. Dumb to forget that. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's only just behind Noah Wiley. In terms of the number of episodes of ER that he did, and I mean, right. we now have, we now have to start talking about ER. This blows my mind. ER as a breeding ground for actors who are in Doctor Who. I mean, now, <laughs> I mean, I would never would have thought that would have been possible, but it, it's also, if you count Torchwood, it's also behind the scenes the crossover between ER and uh, Doctor Who or Doctor yeah. Universe, I guess, because of Miracle yeah. Day. Is pretty great mm-hmm. um but anyway just he's got to be one of the best guest actors that we've had in a long yeah. 
long time. I mean, maybe he yeah. he is, I think, to Nikola Tesla, much as, oh, God, what's his name from Four Weddings and a Funeral was to Charles Dickens. What, what's this guy's name? Good Lord, oh, yeah. we're all doing it now. Simon Whatever his name is. Callow. Callow, yes. Just really that level of um, <laughs> acting chops, I think, just really made everybody rise their game. I thought, I thought that Jody was fantastic in yeah. this episode. She was given a lot of great lines, but you know, mm-hmm. most especially a great entrance coming out of nowhere in media res. Uh, that's just the best. That is how you want your doctor to be. You always want the doctor to be in media res when you first meet her. You want that. It's great. Uh, yeah. And really electrifying, and especially when she doesn't know that this is Nikola Tesla, and then she finds out, and then she's like overwhelmed by that, and she gets awestruck in the same way that uh, you know Eccleston got awestruck by Dickens. You know, really great sort, or the way that Tennant gets awestruck by Agatha Christie. You know, right. It, that is a lovely thing because when the doctor is awestruck by somebody that tells, especially kids in the audience, but really everybody in the audience, Hey, this is somebody important. This is somebody we should look into. Um, and when the doctor is mad at somebody like she was with Edison, then it's like, well, maybe this is somebody that we should be suspicious of, but what it, she has a great moment with Edison, right? Uh, the moment where she starts putting together stuff in the lab she mm. starts assembling chemicals and then she names off enough chemicals that he should know what the hell she's doing. And then she just gives him a look. And then now <laughs> you're thinking like a scientist. I mean, it's gotta be one of the best lines ever, you know, that, that you actually see that he is not just a businessman. There is something actually there behind right. him. And I, and I thought he was, you know, portrayed in a way that has become fashionable since the nineties, maybe you know, as sort of the villain of the piece, um, but also some compassion because he does show concern for the families of the people that got killed that were his workers. You know, mm-hmm. he's not entirely heartless, but he is definitely a capitalist, right? right? In the way that Tesla isn't. And that's an interesting yeah. contrast. And that is nothing, that is a part of the American story. That is a part of, as he puts it, you know, the American sense of humor, kind of. Um, yeah. Well, here's, it's not, here's, it's a, not, here's an in- Mm, go ahead. Here's an interesting playback on that to our previous argument of you know, capitalism and what basically, from what I heard, mm. uh, won over uh, the battle between VHS and Betamax yeah. was the porn industry. Sure. The mm. porn industry set themselves up behind VHS, and that's essentially what did it. Yeah, and that's that's all it takes is the money going behind it, which essentially is what is behind the background of this as well. Is yeah. it's like yes, capitalism gives you all these things you want, but are they the right things? Mm. But, but I love that I love that about this episode is that it it mm. is trying to educate you in a way that is not common for a historical episode for a celebrity no. historical you know, that we've been getting since 2005 in that Mm. it's showing you both sides that yes, it is important to have these really interesting ideas. It's really important to be forward thinking, but 
you know, there is a crass commercial side to everything. Right. And you have to balance the one against the other. It's essentially, you know, the story of Steve Jobs versus Steve Wozniak or, or uh, Walt Disney versus Roy Disney or whatever, you know, in right. history, there've always been the, the yin, the yang. And I like that it, this episode presented Edison and Tesla as yin and yang, kind of. Right. Um, they got a nice digging in the TARDIS later, didn't they? When he mm -hmm. says to mm -hmm. Mary, oh, you're English, are you? They were never any good at business or something, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then, you know, I, I think uh, in another great line, um, what, God, why am I forgetting everybody's name? Who is the, who is the older companion? Who is the oldest companion on the artist? Graham. Right, so right. Graham, Graham gets back and susses him out and says, well, you remind me of uh, bosses that I've had who only care, who don't care about you unless you can do something that gives money back to the company or whatever. Great. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that also shows the labor side of the argument, you know. So right. there's, yeah. it's interesting how this episode, you know, really does show a full picture of basically capitalism. Really, at the end of the day, the the driver, the marketer, the boss, right? All that stuff, and right. the late and the labor, you know, and and also like even it even takes time to show the sort of internecine war that happens between laborers, right? There's that one really mean guy who says, right. "No, get away from me! I, you're supposed to put this thing in first. Like, there's a proper way to do it." Um, yeah. And how that can be stifling to industry as well. But then how that guy survives for a little bit longer than everybody else because he, you know, drops the thing and has to hide for a little bit. Like even that's little bitty thing is a, is an insight yeah. into the world of business. You know, it's really very very interesting. And, and Doctor Who doesn't do this quite so cleverly. There there are of course broadsides that Doctor Who has taken against business, especially in the Barry Letts era. But here it's it's really quite well-rounded and it's set against this background of fundamentally sharp dialogue for all the main characters so that it's enjoyable and you don't really notice it unless you're thinking, unless you go back to it and you say, Oh, wait a right. minute. That's really something. That's now that we're discussing this, it's like, it's, it really is coming all out. This is like, cool. it, it's, it's a fascinating episode. And he, even to the point of, you know, the, seemingly necessary aliens right that have to come into every historical whatever even them i think you know clearly sort of a redux of whatever the um Ragnos. Ragnos, right from the 2006 christmas special yeah. um but they're done better you know they are tooled up a little bit better they're they're not having to do the um you know heavy voice acting that was Really uncharacteristic right. and unfair to make Sarah Parrish do back in the day. Yeah. And so they're able to give, you know, an alien performance, but I think one that still is not over the top necessarily. It's a little bit weird, but it's not, it's still interesting. And even they are amplifying the point that is being made in the story, right? They're not just dropped in like the Ragnos were to the, the that Christmas special. But instead, right. they are basically avatars, if you will, for Edison. 
right? For what, yeah. at least what Edison is portrayed as having done. Now that's, we can debate whether that's a fair characterization of Edison, whether it's a fair characterization of Tesla. That's great. We can debate that because this episode sort of asks us to go research them more, which is what Dr. As you said, is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you run right. and explore history. Um, mm -hmm. But given that this is what this narrative establishes about those two characters, it's very interesting that the Scorpions uh, sort of represent Edison's side of the argument, even though Edison really wasn't quite like that. He wasn't just a scavenger. He was he was a scientist. I mean, let's not right. fool ourselves. He knew what he was doing. Um, and, and he found but, people but who were smarter than him and collaborated. Right, right. You know, or you know, used business methods to muscle them out. Whatever he was still fundamentally interested in science and how to use science as a as a tool for advancement. Um, and it's it's great to have a villain that matches up with something else that's going on in the story, right? If you gotta have a villain, I mean, if you gotta have an alien in a historical episode, at least it's good that these actually reflect what's going on between the humans. Right. Right, right, yeah. Um, one thing uh, you, you didn't mention, I thought you might have done, although I said, mm -hmm. you said uh, Next Generation wasn't your most liked Star, Star Trek. Um, it was uh, the Geordie LaForge one. You're clever. You know, come and yeah. mend our spaceship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is like that. I mean, I'm not going to, the scavenging thing is, you know, from a from a straight read, Right. Forget about what the metaphor is. From a straight read, the scavenging thing is definitely not that new. It's a little bit new for Doctor Who. I'm not sure that there have been that many races that have been portrayed as being quite this level of scavenging. And you would think, right. again, your comment earlier, Dave, about Silurians and why are we calling them alien? Um, you would kind of think that if they have already scavenged the Silurian stuff, that they actually would have probably been better off getting a Silurian scientist to help them all out than a human one, really. <laughs> yeah, um, it all I mean, when they, where they found the gun, they only found it like in a cave. You know? Maybe, or or maybe were there Silurians on Mars? Is that where they were last? What was it? What was that episode? No, Deep, deep underground. They were deep underground where they were going down the, the tunnels, weren't they? What was the episode late in the Capaldi era where they went to Mars and it was sort of British colonialism and then the, what? Wasn't that Silurians? No, no. no. Oh, was, uh, somebody like, famous. I don't know. The Ice Monsters. Ice Warriors. The Ice Warriors. Ice Warriors. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, and of course, anyway, you would think if they found a Silurian gun, come on, you want a Silurian scientist. You don't want Nikola Tesla, I don't think. Um, except that he pinged them, right? Um, right. Yeah. So that's he why they came them, in. You know. Because they were like, oh, well, if he pinged us, then he must be, you know, clever right. enough to help us out or whatever. But that, uh, but again, that reinforces how stupid they are, right? How, um, you know, they are just scavengers. They're not original thinkers. So they are only reacting. They're not proactive. So whatever. It's right. It is in some ways a reworking as well of the first Sarah Jane story with the third doctor where, uh, you know, the scientists oh. are out by the Sontaran. Yeah. Um, the, is it called the warrior? The, time warrior. Uh, where, time warrior, where he's stuck in a period of Earth's history that doesn't have the scientists and he can, all he can do is, is bring scientists back into time with him. Mm. Well, 
We're mm -hmm. assuming this this spaceship, although we think of all spaceships must be futuristic, this spaceship has come to Earth in this time period. So they, they haven't got time technology, these um, uh, scorpion things. Um, so they have to get what's there. But um, that was another story that used a similar premise, didn't it? The, the time warrior. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Me, I mean, there is a shade of that to this, I suppose. Let, let me play another clip, and then I'll, I want to ask you another question before I go. But let me, I'm going to jump a couple of uh, things in. So I'll play, I'll jump a couple. Ladies and gentlemen, AC is the most deadly force known to science. For the public safety, the Niagara generator should be shut down. And let me guess, an Edison generator built in its place. Couldn't have put it better myself. So, Miss Edison, we need to talk. As I was saying. We could talk here, but I think you prefer to go somewhere more private. You want to make an appointment, speak to my secretary. Alien weapons. How are you getting your hands on them? Oh, 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 oh. alien weapons. You have the wrong inventor, man. It's Nikola Tesla's been talking to Mars. I keep my feet on the ground. So, you don't recognize this? Let's take this inside. Mm. Oh, what's this? Oh, shut up, let's go. See, this guy I've definitely heard of. He's got to be America's most famous inventor. Yeah. But not exactly a shrinking violet, is he? I mean, he's blasted his name all over the shop. Talk about tooting your own horn. I have never seen anything like this in my life. Is it your design? Who has the patent? This isn't a business opportunity. Someone tried to shoot us with it. I thought, by the way, uh, Edison's lab was uh, quite elaborate. I don't know if it was some historical place it'd been to, but it looked good. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you guys, though, was um, I thought the interior of the TARDIS looked better this time. It, there seemed to be more of it, as though they'd finished building it. And um, what did you think yeah, about at the end, when it had seemed to have used all its energy to, to bring the ship down, and the crystals had gone from like orangey colors to almost like a icy blue. Uh, that was kind of cool. I like that effect. It's good to see them doing something rather than just being yellow glowy columns, you know. And we saw more representative of, of the energy of the TARDIS or something, you know, that there's a purpose to them. Yeah. They pull the camera right back though, because so you can see beyond those things. You can right. see the all the dome area as it were. Darthy, did you like any shots from the TARDIS or not? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I thought in a lot of ways this episode was quite creatively shot. Um, interesting thing about this episode that maybe one of the reasons that I like it more is the first, I think it's the first episode ever written and directed by women. Oh, um, all right. I'm pretty sure that's true, and produced by a woman, um, and starring a woman. Um, so I don't know. Um, certainly, I think it, it is the first time for this director, and a lot of first-time directors will give you things that you have never seen before because they're trying to put their stamp on things, or just because they have a, a fresh eye, right? And something may catch their eye that you know somebody who's been there three or four times before isn't looking at anymore you know nida the manzoor is it and nina mativia yeah um so, the... oh. I, I also think that's probably 
probably why it's so neatly thematic this episode too is you've got people really trying on all fronts to make names for themselves um and and um i think it works but yeah there, there are a lot of shots that i think are quite innovative and, and a lot of transitions like when you go back and look at this episode really look at how you get from one scene to another and i think you'll be like you'll be very impressed um mm. with how one shot leads to another without necessarily a wipe or right. it's very very well done um and i i think that is down to the direction it could be down to the editor as well or some combination thereof but i mean it certainly is an episode that flows very well so yeah but yeah it's very, it's very true that this season in general i am less bothered by the interior of the tardis than i was say this same right. time last year i think they've made some alterations to the general layout maybe pulled the walls back and made the center part more of a center part rather than the entire console room and kind of yeah, gave it a little maybe. more given us a little more room you know just being in between those pillars just seemed to be very kind of, and then everything else was on the outside, but now they're filming more of the outside to make it feel like a, an entire room. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't mention, by the way, on the sky, uh, the Spyfall one, we saw the doctor uh, working under the TARDIS, didn't we? Rather than yeah. inside it. Um, I guess that bothered people too. It's like, jeepers. Um, oh, one thing that we did not, was that? That bothered people. Wow. It bothered <laughs> people, I guess, because it's like, oh, what the heck? You know, you just put it up on a thing and work. It's like, whatever. Yeah. <sighs> They're not impressed unless you're materializing a TARDIS around an old phone box. Uh, the other thing we did. Well, were they bothered by that, but not bothered by the fact that the Doctor's TARDIS materializes inside the Master's TARDIS and it doesn't cause whatever the hell was right. caused in Legopolis? Uh, yeah, um, or it doesn't oh, cause a time ram, as in yeah. uh, whatever the hell that was. Other cloister bell. Yeah, not a cloister bell in sight for materializing one right. artist than another. And I, I don't know if anybody was bothered by that or not. But I mean, gosh, if you really want to, I, I mean, I'm bothered by the multiple, you know, outcomes of Earth because I think that's just sloppy. But I'm not bothered by whatever technology. Thing is going on yeah well the one thing that we didn't bring up about this this episode before we close out is uh of course another guest cast member um uh, but from the family uh playing queen skithra was uh, andrew mahendra from sarah jane adventures yay the rani oh not the yep. rani Rani. <laughs> well rani not the rani yeah. That was kind of cool, um, even though I didn't really like the aliens all that much. I think she did a, a good job, actually. I was looking when you were trying to see if that, but I couldn't find it, whether it was the same people who did the Scorpions, who did um, the, uh, from the War of the Worlds, did the Creatures in the War of the Worlds. Because uh, oh, okay. that was very brilliantly animated. But uh, I'll just play one more clip and I'll just have a little say myself. I won't talk uh, before too we go to the clip, we do have a correction from the audience. Apparently, The uh, Witchfinders from Series 11 was written by a woman, Joy Wilkinson, and directed by a, a woman, Sally of 
I can't really read that from here. Abrahamian, I think it is. That's true. Uh, I guess I'd forgotten about you. that. That's Thank true. you, guest five. Yep, okay, let me just play another it's a short clip. What is this place? You stand on the friendship of the Skitla, high above your meager city. You can see your city, but your city cannot see us. We have been watching, hidden from human eyes, while we searched. This is an electrical condenser for, from my generator. We've gathered supplies. Now you will work. Work on what? Our ship, our weapons, everything. Yeah, that was good timing to play that clip. And just mm. to, just to, to sh when they were showing that and she's saying, we're invisible, they show the sky and they let the ship appear for a little second. Just so the audience yeah. says, what ship? What ship are they talking about? Oh, that one I've seen Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. and of course we're the, this um we've got another tower in this didn't we we had the uh eiffel tower in the last one where we had that acknowledgement of you know uh, as you said the, the the master have you forgiven me yet uh for throwing the fourth doctor off uh right. oh, John, John bank wasn't it from that mm -hmm. and now again so, we're on I, this massive go on it was it John bank yeah, yeah judge bank yeah yeah. Fourth, that was where they had the fifth doctor as the white watcher waiting to to slide into Tom Baker's body there. Was the Theros project. Uh, well, okay. But it was the well, it was the used travel bank. That's why I wasn't sure on my history as far as like was the Theros project based at Jodrell Bank or was it? supposed to be a, anyway. it supposed to be yeah right yeah okay well let, let's i think it's the reason i think it's based is because jodrell bank is later actually referred to in oh my gosh what's the uh the 11th hour right by one right. of those scientists who's in the you know is on the facetime thing mm. uh and so i mean it, it's definitely that jodrell bank exists within the doctor universe Oh, and let me just say, by the way, you never mentioned when you talked about the spy fog, yeah, you never mentioned the tissue compression thing that was. Oh, going. yes, that was nice. That was a that nice was little, uh, it was yeah. well done. He's close yeah. to my heart. <laughs> and of course, yeah, yeah. the funny thing is, is when he says, I keep, uh, I keep him close to my heart and he taps one side, but pulls him out of the other. And at first you think, well, that's wrong. It's not next to your, oh, wait. <laughs> that's actually quite clever when you look back at it he says yeah. you know i keep them next to my heart and he takes it from the opposite side of the indicated but of course because he's a time lord yeah that's funny <laughs> sorry um uh anyway um just on this show i thought this was a really really good episode i liked it on uh, on any number of counts it's one of the best mm. historical ones we've had the, mm. the 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 quality of the acting i i am a, a real fan of this uh this guy whose name i can't pronounce goran i keep want to say goran Ivanovich, but that's my tennis in uh, i think it's like uh, Vizinic or yeah yeah i pronounce it well i mean i there was a pronunciation when he was on ER. Whether that one was correct or not, I don't know, because a lot of people are just like, sure, that's my name. 
Well, you know, if you've like seen, Japan. if like you've Japan. seen, if you've seen, I just, I just the, learned that, uh, its name. Oh right! If you see this bloke in time, which obviously you have Ian, he would have made a brilliant master. I mean, you can't perhaps tell that from the role he's playing here because he's playing Eastern European, which he is, of course, Eastern European. Right. But uh, the way um, he's cut, uh, I don't know if you've seen Timeless uh, Darth, but his character's a little bit like Mr. Smith from uh, Lost in Space, uh, where, you know, the sometimes they're ingratiating, other times uh, they're trying to stab you in the back, other times mm -hmm. when their own life is in danger, they save the day because self-interest themselves but it saves everybody else at the same time so you have this sort of you know a, a brilliant person that keeps a lot of you know they find information but they don't share it and only share it at the point where they have to share it because it's an escape route for all of them and something um that's the the type of character he plays on timeless uh, which to me are sort of some attributes of the master because we we've known that the master or missy shall we say is sided with the doctor in the missy's last story even you know um but um you know so i liked it all fronts um i i thought the um the way all the um the old technology was brought in looked to me you know it didn't look quiche history or kitsch history it looked it looked soundly bedded and despite what Ian will say next no I wasn't there to verify it in 1903 which was when this was well made. you were busy that day <laughs> yeah. but by the way he did live uh, Nikola Tesla left and I'm checking the wiki here he lived another 40 years to 1943 and it, it, he died penniless but he be, only because every invention he made he did he would sell to fund his next invention uh and every next invention was going to be the big one if you know what i mean mm -hmm. so he was never a business and apparently he lived most of his life in hotels he never owned a property and he don't mm -hmm. think he married either so um um but uh yeah i know i liked on all bases i liked um i mean i thought it was rather funny that the queen of the uh, scorpions seem to walk upright where all the other scorpions were mm -hmm. decidedly scorpions and they weren't sort of a race descended from scorpions like we have had in uh star trek ours uh, was it would it be i can't remember it's enterprise where where you have these um ones that hunt for live for the hunt and the they they descended from uh, um uh, what a reptile a reptilian race but they now mm -hmm. walk on two legs well it seemed funny that she was the only one that walked on two legs and everyone else and of course when but, you saw yeah. them in their David, ship and you saw all of them there what go on i hate to lay some science down on you but generally in the insect kingdom the queen does um actually have a different uh resemblance than, yeah, than the rest it. of the order yeah so you um, know like the queen bee looks you can find a queen right. bee it looks different from the rest of the oh yeah i understood that i mean in a way she reminded me of the queen from the borg um in, in right. that respect um uh, but that when they panned up in the the ship uh that reminded me of um planet of the spiders you know the third Doctor yeah. story but they all yeah. they were sitting on a table and you can see the wires moving the little limbs on that so the yeah, that uh, looked good back when i was a kid uh, i was still scared of them <laughs> don't give me the creeps watching that when i watched it the other day it was on like twitch no it was on um it was like i was watching you know it was like 
They still give creep me out, them damn spiders, because it's a spider. I don't care. They did a real good job of making it look like a spider. So, yeah. well, it's the chanting that got me, um, diddy, paddy, man, or whatever they used to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that used to frighten me. But anyway, um, yeah. I, Ever nothing. To me, this this has been the best story so far. Um, and um, oh, apparently, apparently, and I'm not, this is no spoilers, because it's just what I've seen. The today's one is very, very good. And my head apparently, oh, uh, Jeff said I'm going to explode. Not you, Jeff, the other Jeff. Uh, apparently, my head's going to explode. So, yeah, I'm really kind of looking forward to um, saying goodbye to the two of you and going and watching Doctor Who. Because so far, the non spoiler reviews that I've seen in passing have been very, very positive. Hmm. Right. So. Yeah. My phone went off with my brother in law saying me, uh, telling me it was. Uh, a very a very clever episode he's put oh really mm. so um yeah i don't know uh, thank you guest five i'll just read this because it's they've made the effort to put it in all 55 made it seem like one of the companions would prevent the catastrophic events to earth it is a kind of similar to the pyramids of mars where an alternate earth was formed by Sutek. so an alternate earth was formed by Sutek, destroyed 1980 where sarah jane was from the Doctor and Sarah Jane had to stop Sutek to change it back. That suggests one of the companions would stop the environmental catastrophe. Well, in a in a way, the seeds of you know, and, and, and do we think technology is going to be the overriding theme arc our message of this show? Technology used in good ways and in bad ways. Uh, is that mm. are, do, are, are either of you? find a different story art that you think you can see developing well we just got to look at the fact that there's this i guess we got to look at spyfall and say what was what was what was laid down in spyfall that i'm assuming will be at least partially paid off uh, in the season finale so We've got that whole Gallifrey story in the background, and and what does that pertain to? Um, we've got technology. We've got the what is it? The I think we've got this sleep the, the timeless child. Yeah, sleepwalking into disaster. I think it's all going to be. You know, if you don't know what's happening around you, and you don't take an interest in your world, then mm. technology might be marvelous, but it's still got to be, you know, right. policed or studied or guided or. Right. Uh, yeah. right. Uh, course, I think we know we're going to get Spider-Man later on in the season. So, oh, yeah. right. So Do you want to give up our? I think that we're rapidly coming up to the three-hour mark now, and I think yes. You should start off and watch Doctor Who. <laughs> Darth, uh, any any last-minute things you want to include, or any last? mentions and how you think the series is going and we'll wrap up i mean three out of four episodes ain't bad that are mm -hmm. great um so i think it's a stronger start than maybe last season maybe yeah it feels like a stronger start i i would also you know shout out to oh my god why am i forgetting this guy too anyway shout out to the music in doctor who this season i think it's been oh yeah outstanding You're especially in the last episode yeah there you go Akinola. um really starting to establish his own way yeah. of doing the music and it's very clearly different than murray gold and 
I mean, that was obvious last year, but I think now it's even more profoundly obvious. Um, just really great music coming out of him. So yeah, mm -hmm. I would very atmospheric. Mm -hmm. It, it, it goes, I mean, I, I did like some of Murray Gold stuff because, you know, you grow up in the 80s and they they kind of, the, the synth stuff, the themes really kind of jumped out at you and you could hear the, the you know, the music all the time. And so Murray mm -hmm. Gold music was there all the time. His, this guy's music kind of, it just kind of goes hand in hand with whatever's on the screen and it just kind of, and I like it. It just it sits in under there and enhances everything. And I'm not saying that Murray's didn't, but it just hits me in a different way. And and I really kind of appreciate what what he's doing. Well, I think that's us done then, Ian. Yeah. Um, we're yeah. hoping to be back next week. Well, we'll probably not do as big a marathon, but we'll just concentrate on the one episode, um, and that is the uh, the Jujun one. That's uh, probably just finished here in the uk as we've been chatting uh, it's called Maho. fugitive of the jadoon jadoon the tune on the moon all right all right yeah so um we will close out this uh feature length episode shall we call it feature length that sounds really classy right feature length yeah feature length we'll go with that all right uh thank you to guest five and of course uh uh Cybob for showing up um and of course darth for joining us uh unexpectedly but uh it was great to have you here uh, mike was not able to join us unfortunately um due to some family emergencies and uh so it was we were glad to have you on because because that you know otherwise it's just you know me and the Manquino and yeah. that, that's that's entertaining all right <laughs> so until next time which is hopefully next week uh it's goodbye from mr dave ac let's go by from ian six goodbye everybody Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.